0: Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the MJ cast. My name's Jamin Bull. I'm here with my co-host Q and today's record date is Saturday the 29th of April. We've got a killer episode for you guys today with some breaking news all around Janet Jackson. Uh, We talk about Camilla Cabello's recent cover of Michael's Man in the Mirror, a new thrill ride at Universal Orlando with an MJ Easter egg, some Jackson family news, A new TV special coming out about Michael Jackson, bit of controversy there. Some other news around Catherine Jackson and an update on Brad Sundberg's In the Studio with MJ. We've also got a great discussion topic today on Blood on the Dance Floor. We hope you enjoy this episode. The following is a presentation from the MJ cast. The internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson.
1: You're listening to The MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans.
2: The idea is to uh, innovate or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things.
3: I love,
2: you. <laughs> <laughs> I love my fans.
0: Just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Hey Q, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. What's good. new?
1: I had to have an antihistamine this morning because I woke up and I, well, after I didn't wake up, I had a terrible sleep as usual. But I had um, hay fever when I got up this morning, so oh,
0: it's not good.
1: Yeah, that's all gone now. Tablet worked pretty quick.
0: Is it getting colder over there in Perth? It's freezing. Yes,
1: it's so awesome. Bring it on. It's like dark until like 6 30 or something in the morning.
0: So good. So
1: good. It is. It's very good.
0: Well, today's a kind of a bittersweet feeling, I guess, for me.
1: Because I get to pick all the music in the future shows. Is that why? <laughs>
0: yeah, you do. <laughs> so strap yourselves in, listeners. It's going to be Euro Club for six months. <laughs>
1: So, this is not your last show for the year or anything, no. but this is pretty much your last live show because in the next couple of episodes, any show that you appear in has been pre-recorded.
0: Yeah, this is our last um this is my last recording session for quite a while. till I think I think our my next show that I'm on is roughly going to be around Michael's birthday, I think. Okay. Um, according to the schedule, but that might change. So,
1: yeah. So, sorry, folks, you're stuck with a lot of Q coming up.
0: <laughs> I'll be on some shows here and there, like the recorded, yeah. but yeah, yep. it's the Q takeover from now on. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the rescue.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting few months. So, listeners, you probably know having a baby soon, uh, actually, in about. Three three and a bit weeks from today is the due date of Baby Bull, which is kind of cool and exciting and and scary all at the same time. But yeah, after that, I'll be taking some leave from the MJ Cast for a few months. Um, I'll still be editing shows and putting them out, but um, in terms of you know running running everything, the shows and everything, that'll be Q and he'll have a couple of guests on here and there from um, our Espanol show as well, which will be nice. Um, and that'll be interspersed with some specials we recorded a couple of weeks ago
1: yep so one of the shows that I'll be doing will be a question and answer show yeah so maybe start thinking about some questions that you can send in for me to answer on that show that would be good if you're prepared Um, I'm not an encyclopedia so don't ask technical stuff because my memory is not terrific so just ask me easy stuff that'd be helpful thanks
0: Ask, ask Q some non-MJ stuff about Q. That's what
1: I want What? To
0: do. <laughs> like, I don't know. That'd be fun. Like life as a flight attendant. Um,
1: oh, my God. Like how I, I got know. my husband addicted to <laughs> Disneyland and he's already planning to go back in um, September.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun.
1: There you go. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Start thinking of things like that. Send those in. And, yeah, it'll be good to have Jason on the show and we've got some good specials coming up. Yeah. It'll be fun. be lots of fun. So, yeah. All the best to you and Mrs. Mrs. Bull. Thank you.
0: Well, she's, she's not really Mrs. Bull because Chinese women don't take the last name of their husband. Okay. So, I don't know. It's just a cultural thing. Cool. What was I going to say? So, yeah. Okay. Apart from the baby and stay tuned to social media, by the way, folks, because I'll have I'll make sure to put some baby pics up. Apart from that, there is another little bit of news that might mean there's a bit of disruption over the next few months. For those of you who try to stream our show, you would have realized and noticed that you can't do that unless it's on iTunes. That's because we're having some sort of server issues at the moment. The server that we've been very generously uh, given from um friend of the show James LA we've been you know using his his gear for a for a couple of years now uh, we've sort of outgrown it i think in a way like we've got so many shows on there now it's struggling to be able to perform and stream it doesn't let people stream shows basically and the downloads are really slow so for us to grow any further as the MJ cast and the MJ cast in espanol we need to shift across to a whole new server and that's something we're going to be doing in the next you know, three to four months, and it's going to be a pretty big process and who knows how it'll go. But um, if there's some disruption and the shows aren't coming out as regularly as normal, uh, please be patient because we're going to be shifting servers. So,
1: yeah. Yes, I understand none of that, something about (laughs) electrons and (laughs) computers and things. So, good luck. Thank you. All
0: right. No worries. So,
1: let's hit the news. Should we open the newspaper?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Open her up. Okay,
1: hang on. There you go. (laughs) The Daily MJ. Oh, what's this? I'm going to rip this. I don't want that one. I'll get rid of that article. Cool. Okay. There we go. First up. Q, did you just see
0: Janet Jackson's website?
1: talk about uh, a little bit of breaking news as we go to record absolutely there's a countdown that has appeared on it so i guess by the time a lot of people have actually listened to this episode they will know what it is counting down for
0: oh at the moment it's uh, just a couple of days to go to to get to zero i'm wondering what it is i mean there's been some pretty interesting news reports coming out around janet as well recently about a potential new tour did, did you read those reports
1: Uh, Yeah, so I think also did you read the reports that there was a fan that had filed a lawsuit against Janet for sort of not continuing this tour that she had cancelled when she went to have baby Essa? Well, the reports of that were out. Maybe they should have waited because then there was also the talk this week of some ticket sites having rescheduled dates and instead of the Unbreakable Tour. It was then called State of the World Tour.
0: Yeah, I think um, what's happened is that some of these ticketing websites where you could buy tickets for Janet's Unbreakable World Tour have updated their listings for the concerts with new dates that are in the future, like specific dates. Um, So I don't know whether they've prematurely leaked her news. Um, She certainly hasn't said anything about it. And I don't think she's ready quite yet anyway to go back oh on no, tour. Oh, no, it's right far now. too early. Like Can you remember
1: the dates? Was it September or something?
0: It was very late. It was later this year.
1: Do you remember the countries?
0: America. That US, these are the US These shows. were US
1: dates. Okay, because I yeah. think that, that whole part of the tour was definitely didn't even get started, did it?
0: Yeah, it looks like things are heating up there again. She's out and about. She was at a Bruno Mars concert a couple of days ago enjoying herself. She's been photographed with her baby which has been cool to see. But yeah, I think she's kind of getting her eye back on getting back to work. Um, And hopefully we do get a completion to this world tour. Uh, Hopefully she comes to Australia. So I get to see her.
1: Did we ever, did we mention in a past show that she did put her first picture out with baby Issa? Did we put that out in any of our shows?
0: I don't remember.
1: Or maybe I'll just put a note for the show notes for additional links. We'll put, um, Janet's first picture of her with baby Issa. Yeah, yeah. Because that was super cute, if you haven't seen it.
0: Really cute, really
1: cute. So cute. Maybe this sort of ticket website thing was in response to the lawsuit.
0: Good point. It could be.
1: Maybe to say, oh, well, we can't say that it's cancelled. But look, we are sort of looking at rescheduling stuff. So maybe that's a response. I don't know.
0: There's also been whispers around the place of her wanting to record a new album, having been inspired by motherhood. What? Um, I'm serious. I can't remember where I read that, but... Uh, well, I remember all-
1: hearing, hearing that about Michael as well, and that never really happened.
0: No, but um, it's often mentioned in the same news articles that are talking about the State of the World Tour. It's just sort of a brief aside. It says that Janet's wanting to get back in the studio to do a new album,
1: How would they know that? I think that is pure speculation.
0: Probably. The only thing that makes me think it's possible is that she now records for her own label. She doesn't record for, you know, like a record label that's forcing her to do a certain amount of albums. So... If she does record an album, it'll be on her terms when she wants. And I don't think it's unlikely that she's been un- inspired by what she's gone through. She, she, I've seen interviews with her um, where she explains her album writing process as being hinged around big events in her life. Like every time she goes through something big, she will feel really inspired and passionate about putting out a new album. I've, I've heard her say that. She do, it's just not like an every four-year thing or anything for her. It's like every time something big's happened, she'll put an
1: album out. Damn, she had some big orgasms around, you know, Demeter <laughs> Joe and those and didn't she, to inspire her?
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Let's not go there. I was okay, actually cool. listening to that album the other night. <laughs> Moist. Warm. Funny. Oh, my God. Okay.
1: Anyway, <laughs> well fingers crossed. I hope it's not like Beyonce when she did a big countdown announcement and it was just like some sort of healthy food drink or healthy food range. And, uh, I think her fans were very disappointed when it was something like that. Hopefully it's not like that. Um, hopefully it is awesome news for tour or music news. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Let's hope. And, also, just quickly, Jackson's Brothers is also touring. And if you head to the thejacksons.live, you will see all of their latest tour dates, which stretch all the way through to August at the moment. So don't miss out on seeing the Jackson's Brother around the UK if you have the chance. There was some sad news, wasn't there? Yeah. So I'll let you take that one.
0: Well, unfortunately, uh, one of Michael's long-serving managers passed away recently, I believe, from a battle with cancer. Uh, Sandy Gallen was Michael's manager in the very early 90s, roughly from the start of the Dangerous Era through to uh, the History Era. Uh, And they had a very, I guess, fruitful relationship and he managed Michael in a way where he was able to skyrocket to levels of fame that he hadn't before. Uh, They masterminded things like the Super Bowl appearance, the Oprah interview, and had a lot of success together. Uh, But unfortunately, yeah, you know, about a week ago or so, Sandy Gallen uh, did pass away and he was in his 70s and it's a bit of sad news there,
1: I think. I was always hoping maybe we'd get a chance to chat to Sandy because I was like a Dangerous Era fan. So for me, it was a very uh, common name to hear uh, in sort of stories about Michael and, and big things with when they referred to his management. And I guess we're very lucky that Mike Smolcombe got to interview Sandy for his book. Uh, I think it was last year that the interview happened, I think. So, um, and of course, we we love that book, which is uh, Making Michael by Mike Smolcombe. So, I think... Yeah, we're very lucky that that happened and we got that little glimpse into Sandy's work relationship with Michael.
0: Yeah, there was also a great article that Mike put up on his website all to do with the Super Bowl. Uh, and that's got a lot of great information in there about Sandy's work with Michael. And you're right, Q, like we're really lucky that that Mike was able to immortalize that, you know, that work through writing and uh, it's sad. And it's sad that, you know, we didn't get a chance to speak with him as well. But, um, you know, his work with Michael will last forever, which is pretty damn cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he was like, he managed Michael in a pretty tough time. Like everything that was going on in 93, that couldn't have been easy for him no. to to do that. Yeah.
1: So. We'd love to have asked about that. Yeah, definitely. Would have earned his money those weeks. For sure.
0: All right. So... Camilla Cabello don't actually know who she is but she covered man in the mirror
1: <laughs> was it on a tv show
0: yeah it was on oh, i don't know actually that's a good question I, I saw it on youtube i don't know if it was a part of a bigger tv special or not but
1: i oh, think was it? what's your notes here joined zed on stage in staple center yeah,
0: so so the performance was uh, "Man in the Mirror" in the Staples Center. Uh, this this performer Camilla Cabello was, you know, accompanied by a band called Zedd. I think, and uh, she used to be in a group called Fifth Harmony that I'd never heard of. That they recently kind of split up, I think, and she's gone solo. And the reason I've included it in the news is because I think it's a really good. Like, it's not often you hear Michael's music covered well. And I think it was pretty outstanding,
1: personally. I saw the, yeah, I watched the clip. I thought it was pretty cool. It was a good cover. Yep. It was
0: a, Yeah, and it was the arrangement was like a little bit different as well. Like she'd mixed parts of the songs up a little bit to have a bit more, you know, her style. It's got a bit more of a rock sort of feel to it. She works the crowd and hits all those notes. And yeah, I recommend people check it out if you haven't already.
1: The Fifth Harmony Group, that does sound familiar for me, but I cannot name any of their songs.
0: Andy was talking to me about it on about them on um, the archives a couple of weeks ago. He seemed to know who they are, but i I didn't
1: There you go. Cool. cool. But yeah, check it out. It's a good cover.
0: So you're a big theme park guy, aren't you?
1: I am, but I was just going to say I sadly haven't been to a Universal Studios park before. Ah. Um. So growing up, like you, I always saw videos of Universal Studios where there was the awesome tram tour and the big King Kong animatronic and like the E.T. ride and the Back to the Future ride and awesome things like that. And now it's too late because all of those things are gone. I think there's one E.T. ride left and then there's all these new versions of the King Kong attraction, which is not the same. Um, And they use a lot of screens like big projection cinema sort of screens in a lot of their rides now they have kicked it down to the ballpark with their Harry Potter lands in California Orlando and Osaka but I haven't actually got to a universal park yet but uh, in the Orlando park I can't remember what ride this uh, replaced um, but anyway it's a uh, Jimmy Fallon from is it the tonight show yeah. He uh, has got a new thrill ride called Race Through New York and he mentioned in an interview that it has a hidden MJ Easter egg in it. So, I sent you a video yeah. and I guess you're going to put that in the show notes?
0: Yeah, it's in the show notes. I've I've watched this video a couple of times and like I think I might know what the Easter egg is but it's pretty small. <laughs>
1: It, yeah, it is. So I'm going to spoil it. So if you don't want to know what it is, just use your podcast app. Just skip ahead 30 seconds.
3: <laughs>
1: I think that it's when they get to the moon and they're yeah. playing Can You Feel It?
0: Yeah, I think that's what it is as well.
1: But uh, there's so much. It, this ride is so the, – the action on the screen, because what it is, it's a, it's a cinema where the seats are on a moving platform and the platform moves so that what you're seeing on the screen makes you sort of feel like you're actually doing going through tunnels and racing through New York and up on the walls and all that kind of thing. It doesn't look that hardcore thrilling, to be honest. I think it's in 3D, that's why the video's all fuzzy. There's so much happening on the screen it's like watching a Transformers movie where someone throws a fistful of Lego at your face and pushes you down the stairs that I was like, well, is it something happening on the sidewalk in New York? Is it is it a billboard? But it's what I think it. I mentioned just a second ago. If I'm wrong, someone can let me know. That would be great. So yeah, but that's that's good that they put a little Jackson's thing in it, and that he acknowledged it as such. So. Yeah, but one day I'll get to a universal park and hopefully there'll still be some good rides left. They haven't like they've even taken the jaws ride out of most of the parks and I always wanted to do the jaws ride.
0: Why are they doing that? Are they just trying to modernize it with newer franchises?
1: Yes. I don't know. Like I think the jaws ride came out in Orlando because that's where the Harry Potter land was built. Or the second Harry Potter land maybe, the Gringotts area. So I don't know if they're short on land over there, but Disney do it as well in Orlando and it's disgusting because they've actually got like a small state almost. It's such a big area of land that they have no need to demolish rides to put new ones in. They can just build new ones because there's so much space, but they don't do that much and it's really annoying, especially when they take good stuff out like Back to the Future or Jaws, King Kong, stuff like that. But anyway, moving on. Michael Jackson, Blood
2: on the Dance Floor, the best dance album in history. Blood on the Dance Floor, 13 tracks, 76 minutes of music, 8 historical remixes and 5 brand new songs. See the greatest artists of all time in a town near you. Blood on the dance floor The album Now Hi This is Rinching guest The author of The trials of Michael Jackson And you're listening
1: To the MJ cast
0: Terrell Jackson And his wife Brianna Cabral Are to feature Or sorry Have featured In a new reality TV show episode um, Ianla, I think her name is Ianla Fix My Life uh, I have not seen this At all It's already aired A couple of weeks ago But it, mm, I don't know. I mean, we told, remember when we told Charles about it and he was like, yeah, someone needs money. (laughs) Can you think of any other reason why Tarrell would want to do this? Like it's like it's showing his private family problems for the world to see.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I think it's really a bit tabloidy. Yeah. I'm not not sure. Maybe she is someone that has amazing... um, record in sort of helping people perhaps
0: well I mean if you look at her biography on the Oprah website I mean she's done a lot of stuff like yeah she has helped a lot of people she's written a lot of books etc but I don't know I don't know like if I was going through serious issues with my in my family I wouldn't want that to be public but you don't even Hollywood but why would you want it to be public wouldn't that be like really uncomfortable like I don't know. I don't know either.
1: I don't Um, know. But I guess, you know, maybe because it was something that was introduced uh, as as sort of a a theme in their life in the other show that they did. Yeah. Maybe this was sort of to sort of help wrap that up and and finalize it perhaps.
0: I did feel like in the other show, was it The Next Generation? Jackson's yeah. next generation. Like that was so good. And there were a lot of themes in there, like Tarrell's weight, Tarrell's relationship. You know, there were some cool themes in there that I did want to see resolved. So I think you're right. I think you're right. Maybe it's that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, if you've seen it, if you live in the States and you've seen it, hit us up on our social media and tell us what you thought. Cause I'm really curious what it was like. It's not on YouTube or anything. So yeah, me yeah, too. You know, you know lots about the next one and I don't. Who's Dr. Oz?
1: So, he was some Oprah sort of guest. He was like a speaking head that would appear on Oprah show a lot. Is, that, is he like
0: of, Dr. Phil or something?
1: And then got a spin-off show like Dr. Phil did. Yes. Yep. Okay. I guess he's a real doctor. I assuming so. I'm pretty sure he would have to be to call himself Dr. Oz. And I actually don't know if this show has already gone to air either. Like it did say May, but then I saw a tweet, someone saying something and it sounded like maybe it had already just happened like yesterday or the day before. But the TV show Dr. Oz is going to be featuring Conrad Murray in an episode. That is disgusting. And I don't know what network screens this show So what's today? Today's like the 29th of uh, April, 30th. No, yeah, 29th of April. So if you know what network this is and it's within the next couple of days of this release, can you let me know? Because I think it would be really great if we can sort of start a little bit of a social media push to the networks that are screening this that they shouldn't. I think it's disgusting that a convicted killer, that the judge – found not to be telling the truth about everything is going to be interviewed on a show about Michael's passing or whatever the hell. What what else would you talk to this man for? So I'm pretty angry.
0: Me too. I mean, the guy's a nutcase. <clears throat> clearly. Like totally. He, clearly. He, he um, not only does he lie now all the time about what happened, but in those critical moments after Michael... Was found when when Murray found Michael unconscious, you know, with no pulse and stuff. Like he 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 was lying. Then he lied to the police that the sorry the ambulance turned up to try and save Michael, and Murray didn't tell them anything about the kind of drugs he was giving Michael. Like why he would he not do that? He was hiding stuff.
1: He was hiding stuff.
0: It it that is disgusting. Even like if you have someone dead next to you and the ambulance is there to help and you don't tell them the critical information they need to help save that that patient, that's disgusting. And that man is a disgusting man. And for networks to be out there giving him airtime and basically they're, what they're doing is they're giving him money too because he's got a book that's, you know, people...
1: That's not selling. Not God. selling,
0: but there's a higher chance it will sell if he's on TV. And so... I think it's horrible that they're giving him any sort of airtime whatsoever and we need to do something about that and get the news out that, that they're doing this. So, yes, please, if you know what we did... You know, remember what we did with the, um, the, the, Paris the other Jackson one? The Paris and,
1: one, and the Sky Arts documentary when we put a tweet out and to, to boycott it. We would like to do something like that again.
0: But we the problem is with that one, we knew exactly who the boss was of that network and we knew you know how to contact him through email address and twitter. So if you could if anyone knows who the boss is of the network that's putting out this stupid show, <laughs> tell us and we'll put his or his or her email address and twitter handle in a tweet and we will get that thing out there and we'll 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 get the news out.
1: Yeah. I have a horrible feeling the boss is Oprah and the network Good. is Harpo because cool. that's the only thing that <laughs> I've actually sort of been able to find. So, like, yeah, let's take on Oprah, I guess. Yeah, but I don't care who it even, is. Even care. if it's syndicated to other networks. So, if it's syndicated to air on NBC or something like that, if we can, if you can tell me and then maybe if you can find, like, um, an email address for someone that's in charge of scheduling or, pr- like, um, media and stuff like that, then we can flood their email addresses. So, if you could, in the next couple of days, and – the first couple of days of May at the latest, if you're listening in May 2017, contact us on social media and email. That would be really helpful and we can get a little movement going online to hopefully stop it because another thing that really pisses me off about Conrad Murray is that, yes, he has served a sentence in jail. I think it was far too short, but anyway, he has served the uh, sentence that was handed out in court when he was found guilty, but he shows zero remorse, zero remorse. He makes it out that he is the victim. And that just sickens me even more. So to give this man money and airtime is not appropriate. So I think as fans, we have a duty. And this week, this is what we need to do. So it'd be really great if you guys could help.
0: What are we going to turn our anger into, Q? Turn our
1: anger into action. Let's do don't it. just sit there and retweet something, does nothing. Contact Actually, the boss. Like yeah.
0: imagine, remember how many retweets our one got about Sky Arts? Imagine how many emails people would have sent to that boss. His email inbox would have been flooded the next morning yep. from people like, because I know I sent one. And if yep. we are all emailing whoever it is, Oprah, I don't care who it is, we're emailing them. They're gonna go, okay, we've stepped over the line here, and maybe we need to reconsider.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Cool. All right.
0: So a song leaked and it happened a couple of weeks ago. The song's called Ghost of Another Lover. It's a pretty poor quality version of the song. It's not a leak of like the actual no. file, like the MP3. No. It's it's clearly someone has recorded the song coming out of speakers somewhere. And they've um, put it online and its it sounds cool. Like I like it. It reminds me of a Rhythm Nation era sort of Jam and Lewis late 80s sound. If Michael had have recorded with them, it kind of sounds a bit like that to me. There's no vocals in the verses. I think there's only vocals in the chorus and they sound a little bit sketched out as well, not fully done. It's
1: definitely not a complete track, so don't get excited at all. It's terrible, horrendous quality. It's so muffled, mumbly, and you don't get to hear much detail, so don't get super excited. What do we know about this song before this leak?
0: I don't know about the origins of the song. I know that Michael continued I think it was a contender for the Dangerous Era for the Dangerous Ooh. album I think he was working on the song with engineer Tom Russo from what I know I wouldn't be surprised if it was an original uh, originally a demo from the Bad Era that he was trying to update for Dangerous but didn't end up finishing it but <clears throat> what is what is fascinating is that when you look at the notes that Michael had on his bedroom wall or mirror or wherever when he died there was a list of songs that he wanted to complete and, and we know lots of them like Best of Joy, Hollywood Tonight, et cetera. And very interestingly, Ghost of Another Lover was written on that note. Okay. Yeah. I'm so actually going to add,
1: maybe we can include that note in our sh- in um the show notes or something. Sure. Definitely. Um, because I know that someone asked recently on Twitter about that note. I think we'd referred to it as a yellow bit of paper, but it actually isn't a yellow bit of paper. It's no, white. it's
0: white. It's white. Yeah.
1: Um, so I'll see if we can put that picture somewhere so that people who haven't seen it can see it.
0: Yeah, it's just a it's just a note of all the songs Michael yep. wanted to finish for his new album. And um, interestingly, the Casio tracks are absent from that note. Gee, um, I wonder why. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's, some of the songs that are on Ultimate Collection are also written on there. Like he wanted to do an updated version of um, Scared of the Moon as well or what yeah but it Which was perfect been... I know such a beautiful song
1: yeah well there you go there's something else that's come out of the vaults but I mean, just don't get your hopes up because it's really shit quality it's really bad
0: it's pretty bad hey um, what do you think of private home movies
1: that is my favourite MJ documentary TV show out there me too <laughs> I love it, and I haven't watched it for a while, but I might watch it in August for his birthday. I probably will do that.
0: It was awesome, and there's a cool bit in it. Do you remember the bit where Michael's riding in the car with Brett Ratner?
1: Yes, and what's that song? <laughs> it's an R. Kelly song, is it? Ignition?
0: Uh, Ignition remix, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Do you, don't, do you don't want to sing a bit, you? Or? No, because I'm not right. a fan of the song at all. <laughs> but I, MJ I like apparently it. was...
0: Yeah, he was because there's that cool scene where they're driving in the car, and I think Brett Ratner's driving, and Michael's in the back seat, um, with a dancing around. Yeah, trucker hat, <laughs> and he's dancing to to ignition and singing it, and it's just really cool. Uh, and I always wanted to know a little bit more about that story and or that moment, and Brett Ratner has just put out an Instagram post with that clip in it, but in the description. He's explained the whole story, like where they came from uh, that day, where they were driving, you know, why he played that song, Michael's reaction, and just a story around that moment. So if you want to learn a bit more about it, follow the link in the show notes and learn from Brett Ratner that, that, about that, that cool song and cool moment. It's pretty good.
1: It's pretty cool having that little story now to put that clip in context. Yes. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, yeah okay so back in the day michael jackson and i stayed in florida for several months with my second family the mulnicks and he never would leave the house so one day i convinced him to come to miami beach so i can show him where i grew up we ended up going to my favorite cuban restaurant on lincoln road for lunch with my grandma how called is that and had such a great day walking around my hood and shopping. Michael would spend hours shopping and he would touch everything in the store, especially in antique stores. We went into a store called the 24 Collection. They had to lock the front doors because a crowd had gathered and people would start screaming and crying and we would have to escape out the back. On that day, on that very day, I bought R. Kelly's new album that MJ had not heard because he didn't get out much or listen to the radio. The album had just come out. I played the remix to Ignition and this video is a result of what happened. Michael loved (laughs) the song so much. I think we played it over 20 times and danced the whole time. We were on I-95 headed north from Miami Beach in rush hour traffic. So, on the Instagram post, which is linked to national notes, you actually see the little video that he's uh, just told the story about. I have, I know this is going to go over our little time limit per story, but this is such a (laughs) weird story. I think, so in this video, Michael's got the trucker cap on. I can't see that he has, he hasn't got tape on his nose, has he?
0: Uh, I don't remember.
1: Don't think. You know. No. So one day I did a really stupid thing back back when I was younger, and I, I lived on my own, and I really wanted to try and do little MJ fan get-togethers, and I had sort of organised a little sort of MJ catch-up thing. I think it was maybe a birthday for Club MJ, that the fan forum that was uh, pretty big in Australia back in the. 2000s for a while. And I think it was like a birthday for that. So I must've advertised on club MJ that I was having a little get together and okay, people learn from my stupidity and naivety. Don't put your home address on the internet. (laughs) You idiot. (laughs) Yeah. I'm (laughs) such an idiot. So I had some, a couple of MJ friends come, like there was one or two that came but then this other mj fan i guess came and i hope he's not listening to the show um, i can't remember his name it was a really odd name but he rocked up and he had a trucker cap on and like sort of mj hair and an oh. outfit and t- and a bandaid across his nose oh my god and i'm like why are you what what's happened to your nose if you hurt yourself he goes no i'm just wearing it because mj did and I'm like, That's, that's weird. It, it, he, <laughs> it was oh, no. very awkward and very strange and he was a he was a character for sure, this this guy. Uh, that's was, one word and I never him. never saw or heard of him again. Um, it was something don't michael probably wore that for like medical issues it's not a costume
0: it's actually really common like i used to think that was really weird like the whole band-aid on the nose thing but then i did some research and it's really common for people who've had cosmetic surgery to have that to sort of strengthen and reset their whatever they've had surgery on it's pretty
1: yeah never seen anyone else wearing one though
0: yeah, well, not in not in real life because I think people usually don't really go out after they've done that sort of stuff very much. But Michael was just chilled. I'll go out.
1: <laughs> but yeah, that was know. a very odd thing. Don't put your home details or phone number on the internet, folks. There's, yes. There's a good lesson. Don't do that. Don't do don't that. Do that. <laughs> oh, God.
0: Hi, this is Michael Prince, studio engineer and producer with Michael Jackson, and you're listening to the MJ cast. J. Randy Trabarelli, author of um, Michael Jackson, The Magic and the Madness, the first book on Michael Jackson I ever read, has said on his Facebook page that he's actually working on a new version of the book, which is, this has got to be like the fifth edition or something of it. And it's is fourth. Out. Oh, it's fourth. <laughs> you, four you just
1: said that. <laughs> oh, my God. An anyway, okay.
0: So, the fourth edition of The Magic and the Madness is coming out apparently in 2019. So, he's going to, you know, it must be a pretty big, you know, revision because he's going to take a couple of years working on it. You know, a lot has happened since he released the last version. His last edition came out, I think, after Michael passed away. But since then, we've had two major... Ma- or actually more than two, like three major court cases, the IRS one, the wrongful death suit and the Murray trial. They've all happened. We've learned so much about Michael and his you know, finances and passing away and everything from those cases. So, I mean, I've, I've spoken to um, Traborelli on Facebook chat and I've said, are you going to be incorporating information from those trials? And he said, yes, definitely. He's going back through the trials and learning about all that stuff to put in the book. And he even said that he's going to be including some posthumous era stuff in there, which will be fascinating.
1: So maybe stuff from the um, Vera trial. Yeah, oh
0: man, that'd be so good. That'd be so good.
1: Maybe uh, hit him up with some of that sort of stuff as well. So that's in the book. And
0: I've told him about it. I've said I've actually linked him to our um, the mjcast.com slash Casio case page where you can get every single court document as they come out from the Vera trial. So he he said, thank you. And he's going to look at those for the book too.
1: Cause that's a huge part of posthumous stuff. And yeah. yeah.
0: So, I mean, I know that like, I mean, let's be honest, Q, you've read the book and it was a while ago. Okay, I, I, read think,
1: the, I read the book way back in the nineties when I first became a fan, because back then when you become a fan, uh, as new fans would know, anything with the name Michael Jackson on it, you just buy it. You don't yeah. even think, but I remember, it's a really thick book. This is like probably it's the big. thickest of any of the biographies written on Michael. I remember at the time reading it and I never liked it. I thought it was really tabloidy, but I don't know if I read it now, maybe I would have a different opinion, but I didn't love it back then. I think the one I enjoyed more back then was the Christopher Anderson biography. Yeah. Which I, what was that called? Um, was that Michael Jackson the Unauthorized or something? But the terrible one to me, it just seemed a lot more tabloidy, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. The big
0: criticism of it is that it includes a lot of narrative structure within the book that he some critics say that how how could you how could he have known about that stuff? So he'll be describing the environments and what's going on in situations that he's not actually even in in Michael's well, I life. Think-
1: you know, if if he's got that information from someone that was there, yeah, that's not a bad thing, but then it needs to be portrayed in that. Otherwise, it's going to be like a TV bio- biography thing where it's just yes. like, well, we don't know. Well, we're going to get to one of them later, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> how do we know this is anywhere near accurate at all? Uh,
0: the truth is that it's whatever we feel about it, and I'm probably a little bit more positive towards it in general. And then there's, you know, the other extreme where people love it, And the truth is that it's the most successful Michael Jackson book that's been released. Like, Is it? Yeah, it is for sure. Even
1: more than the one Michael wrote or two? Oh,
0: okay. My apologies. I'd say that Michael's would have been. I forgot about that. Maybe I should rephrase it. It's the most successful biography on Michael ever released. Maybe not autobiography. But- yeah, uh, it's well-written, like I think as well. Like he's a really, really good writer and he wasn't afraid to ask Michael some tough questions. There's moments in the book where- What do you like, mean
1: ask Michael? Did he interview Michael yeah, for his he, book?
0: Yes. Yeah, he interviewed Michael many times. Really? Yeah, yeah. And he, he, he challenges Michael about a few little things in there too. So it's a really interesting read from that point of view.
1: When did he interview Michael?
0: He he'd interviewed him for sure in the 70s, like all the way through, not, late, not later in, the, in his career. So not during history era onwards, I don't think. But he was definitely in contact with Michael during the 70s and 80s, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, I don't, that's a pretty big thing to lie about.
1: Well, because he was a journalist, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, he's a journalist. So,
1: maybe he interviewed Michael in like, you know, for music magazines or something.
0: He's written a lot of books too, not just on Michael, like on Beyonce and Madonna and...
1: Oh, the Madonna one and Beyonce one, they were very controversial releases, weren't they?
0: They were, yeah. Because the Beyonce one, the reason that was controversial is because he talked a lot in there about Beyonce's relationship with her father. And it went into sort of that side of things too. And he's recently released a book on the Kennedy family, I think, that a TV okay. show's been made of or something. So uh, anyway, we'll we'll keep our ears to the ground and keep updating people as that story continues. But 2019, new version of The Magic and the Madness. And maybe if you know if you reread it and I reread it because I haven't read it in about a decade either. Although I am, I have read chapter one in the last week. So if we both reread it and like it and stuff, maybe we could consider getting him on the show in a couple of years to talk about his new book. Well, I've got gotta,
1: Yes, maybe I'll try and catch up on my uh, two-read pile. <laughs> yes, yeah. super slow. I'm reading Bryce Lejar's book at the moment. I'm, I think, Hurry just over up, I want That one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm getting there. It's very pretty. So thank you, Bryce, for that. So we'll be talking to Bryce once Jamin's read the book. Uh, one thing I like about Bryce's book is that he does what we do when we interview people. He will ask them at the start about how they got started in a particular field. Like mm-hmm. how did you get into music and what was your first sort of remembrances of hearing Michael or your first impressions and things like that. So I like that. That was like, oh, that's sort of cool because gives context to people. Yes. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. So I will try in the next couple of years to maybe read Jay Randy's Blice's book. book. <laughs> <No>, Jay Randy's <laughs> book again, but I've got other stuff. I've just got a new Anne Rice book sitting there. Still hasn't been read. Never did that on my holidays. And then her and Christopher have written a sequel to The Mummy, Ramsay's The Damned, and that comes out in November. So that will be another Anne Rice, Christopher Rice book I need to catch up on. But, yeah, i just got a new Disney book this week. I've got a lot of books to catch up on. Cool. Speaking of biographies, hmm. this one's sort of a uh, – I don't know. Why are people not talking about this one? That's something I just can't understand because – Well, they've started a little bit since we <sighs> oh, have been tweeting tiny, about Tiny, little, tiny little, little bit. bit. Yeah. So, this was aired on Channel 5 in the UK probably a couple of weeks ago now. And it was called Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. And it starred MJ Impersonator. What's his name? Oh, is it Ernest Valentino? Yeah. In this one? Yeah, Ernest Valentino. Well, he, he, he stars as Michael in the later years of Michael's life. But yeah. it's like a career-spanning documentary, I guess you would call it. Uh, So it starts out with, you know, um, Gary Indiana and the boys before they became the Jackson 5 and then their career and then Motown and then Michael's early solo years and then it skips everything from bad right through to this is it, really.
0: (laughs) Oh, just those few little years in between man. Just those
1: few little years. I'm trying to think, (laughs) is there anything in the middle? The only thing that is mentioned, I think, from anywhere between bad and this is it, would be the um, the marriage to Lisa Marie Presley. There's no career stuff, is there?
0: No. No. Dangerous isn't mentioned. History isn't mentioned. Blood on the Dance for mm. Invincible are not mentioned.
1: No, nothing. No charity stuff is mentioned. Okay, so anyway, here's the thing. It's a documentary sort of documentary biographical show. Jamin, what are your thoughts?
0: Uh, we have I, not
1: discussed I, this before, so this is all fresh. This is
0: it. This is fresh. I, I think they went in with good intentions because it's not unfairly portraying Michael as some kind of monster or child molester or something stupid like other documentaries do. It's not doing that. It's pretty fair. Like, in all honesty, it's pretty fair. Like, it shows Michael as a pretty troubled guy that has had issues around his image and um, maybe potentially engaged in some behaviors that put him at risk, which I think is true for sure, especially around his use of medication. And um, yeah, so... I think it's fair. It also portrays him as a musical genius as well, which he was, but I do have a couple of issues with the documentary. Number one is I feel like they skipped massive portions of his career, which are fundamental to his story. Um, For example, his response, I guess, to what happened in 93 with the history album is a fundamental aspect of Michael's career, which I think always needs to be discussed how he did not, succumb to that pressure after 93 and go into hiding and live on all his riches. He came back and continued to perform and continued to record and give to his fans, which I think always should be in the conversation. That's not in there, which sucked. The other thing that sucked was I thought that um, like it was (laughs) – they, they had a really big vision for this, I think, and they tried to create all of these moments, these incredible moments from Michael's career. And they, I don't think that they had a massive budget to do this documentary because some of the scenes to me come across as a little bit tacky just from the point of view of, like, if you're comparing it to, like, what a feature film could be like. And because it's a docudrama, it's not actually a documentary. It's docudrama. So, a lot of these scenes are recreated using actors and makeup and stuff. It just it just felt very, very, very budget and not worthy of the King of Pop style production. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there were some cool parts. Like, I like the guy who played Michael in the Thriller era. Um, and I thought the... I thought not the acting but I thought the recreation of this the sets like the scenes and stuff from the Jackson 5 era were pretty good but anything I did not enjoy the e-cast scenes at all I'll say
1: that as well They're not
0: e I'm sorry e- I did not enjoy the whatever his name is Ernest Valentino I did not enjoy the Ernest Valentino scenes because not 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 because he's a bad actor or anything like that but because I just, I'm a Michael Jackson purist and I I don't like seeing Michael Jackson portrayed by actors. It doesn't work. He looked too unique. And I'd so who rather see would you it.
1: put, how, who would you get him to portray?
0: I wouldn't. I would not. I would never. If I was in charge, if I was in charge of putting out a Michael Jackson piece on film, I would only use documentary footage because I don't think he can be played convincingly by an actor. He looked too unique for me. It might be different for other people and that's fine. But anyway, what were your thoughts?
1: So going off just straight from your thoughts on the same uh, end note. So if they didn't just get an actor, this guy is not an actor. He's an MJ impersonator who's had many surgeries to look like Michael. So is that not better than getting like this? That's his job is actually to look like michael he you know he obviously doesn't look exactly like michael he's not you know e casanova like you mentioned a minute ago he doesn't look like michael exactly but isn't it better for them to get someone that has actually got a facial structure that is similar to michael's achieved through surgery or by before you know someone else maybe was more you know if there was uh, like carlo What's that, that Carlo impersonated guy? I don't think he's had oh, yeah, surgery, from but yeah, yeah. yeah. So wouldn't it be better to get someone that actually does look like Michael to play the part than to get an actor to then act as Michael? Like, yeah, his acting isn't the best, but at least you can sort of suspend your disbelief and go, well, you know, he looks like Michael in this era.
0: For me, the closer you look to Michael, the less I believe it. Like, I just <sighs> I have this weird feeling in my gut every single time I see an impersonator who has really bad makeup and really bad contouring and plastic surgery trying to look like Michael Jackson. It's like, you know, like when you have CGI films where the CGI looks eerily, it's it's almost real, but it's bad, like the, the Star Wars prequels.
1: Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah that's what I feel when I see these impersonators it's like you're not you tr- you're nearly Michael but you're not you're another person it's just weird like I just don't like it and I'm sure there's a place for Michael movies that there's actors playing him and stuff because the you know it's those films are great like the Ray Charles movie. All those films have done very, very well and they introduce that, that music and those historical figures to new audiences. And I'm sure there's a place for that, but all I'm saying is I'm not the audience for that because I'm a big Michael fan and I have been you know, since I was grade 10 or whatever. And I'm more interested in seeing footage of actual Michael and seeing, I would love to see a great documentary on him, maybe a long form, you know, multi-part documentary like Making a Murderer. That that was cool, like just only using source footage of Michael,
1: but that's me. Which, which they're not short of. So for those like Ray Charles movie and stuff, you didn't, you wouldn't even like that when they got uh, like a proper actor to play Michael, or uh, not to play Michael to play Ray Charles. I
0: liked that one because I'm so not a big difference? Ray Charles guy. Big... The difference is I'm a massive Michael fan.
1: So you're too close.
0: Yes, that's it. You're I'm not, not saying you're... there shouldn't be a Michael movie. I'm saying that. I'm never going to be interested in one. Okay. But I'm, but I'm sure other people might be and that's fine.
1: But you would be interested in documentary stuff like yes. the Spike Lee stuff where they show amazing footage.
0: If it was done well, yes.
1: <laughs> okay. So, I watched this and I put a tweet out that I was watching it for research and this is the things we do for you guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I think also they did go in with not a sinister – Okay, so to me there was a slightly dark overtone to the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, It was, you know, it focused a lot, a lot on the Joe Jackson sort of side of the history maybe. it So that was a huge portion of it. That went for the whole thing, this whole Joe Jackson sort of influence over Michael and how that affected him. It also focused a lot on the pain medication that Michael had to go on after the Pepsi burn and the impact that that had on his life. I think that was good in some ways that it did focus on that because people that watch this just off the street might not have known that just in regards to the pain medication thing and how that affected Michael, which it it clearly did in not great ways, sadly. I think it covered the Pepsi burn incident very well. And if you are going to watch this, just a warning, be prepared. There is some graphic stuff because this is a docudrama. So it actually does intersperse in the, the dramatic sort of portrayals of different things with actors it actually does put footage of real things in there occasionally definitely not enough but from the Pepsi thing it puts in the actual footage of Michael getting horrifically burned which is always very hard to watch for me because it's very graphic but it also showed something that I'd never seen before and I wasn't quite prepared for it and I really was quite shocked that they showed it But in some ways, maybe it's a good thing that they showed it. They actually showed surgery photos. God knows how they got them. They actually showed surgery photos of the top of Michael's head when it was burned and open. So you could actually see the bone of his skull. And then they showed it when it was closed and stitched stitched up. Yeah. That was so full on and that will be in my head for years. And that was so graphic. But I think that it really gives context when people go, Oh, Michael was burned on the top of his head. A little okay. bit more than a burn, folks. It was a that was horrific. And it sort of, you know, explains about the surgeries to try and help heal that. And 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 that did affect Michael for the rest of his life. Like that was really a turning point. Yeah. for the, the rest of his sort of personal life. So I think that was a good thing that they showed that for context. Can I just um, jump in
0: there and say a couple of things on that note too? M- this is a testament to how powerful that section of the docudrama was. My wife was standing behind me in the kitchen just doing stuff. And she doesn't usually get involved in like when I'm watching MJ stuff too much, but um, she was glued to that section. She was like, oh my God, I had no idea... That that was that bad. And then I had a phone call with Damien a little bit later and we were talking about that incident as well. And he said, um, I'd forgotten this fact, but I used to know it at one point that that incident, that Pepsi incident happened to the day on the exact midpoint of Michael's life. Like and is that, has that day?
1: confirmed? Has have, have anyone actually confirmed? Like I remember reading that in a lot of fan things, but has anyone actually double-checked that's actually true? Because that seems like a really cool urban myth, but maybe someone should check that out with a calculator.
0: Maybe a list, one of our listeners could get back to us and tell us if that's just an urban myth or real. You figure it out yeah, for us. And, and,
1: <laughs> and if you work it out with notes on paper or on a computer, then screen cap it and show us. Because yeah, yeah. I, want, I want proof of that before we start perpetrating urban myths. To me, that's an urban myth, but if it can be confirmed with math, which it easily can, I'm not good at math, so someone else can do it, then yeah. But that was, I think, a really good part of the show for people, maybe to put stuff in context and, and where troubles later stemmed from. I didn't like how they skipped so much of his career and it was huge parts of his career. Like you said, you know, after 93, Dangerous, uh, like around that time and and that album, but then coming back with History, then there was, you know, Invincible and Tours, many tours and things like that.
0: Reuniting with his brothers on stage after so many years is big. Yeah,
1: Madison Square Garden, that was a big thing. That was a huge thing. Skipped all of that, skipped all of his charity stuff. They did did put a little bit about trials in, didn't they? And they they did talk about the Martin Bashir stuff. Um, and they did sort of have stuff with his kids. I thought the Lisa Marie stuff was actually quite well done. Surprisingly, I didn't think I would like that, but I actually did sort of like that. I guess I thought that I would hate this, and I didn't. I didn't love it.
0: I think that's because, like we both said, they you didn't feel like they were out to defame him.
1: No. You know, they sort of like, showed, you know, yeah, Michael was – this happened to Michael, but this is the reason why it happened. Yeah. But um, then in doing that, they didn't show any good stuff really to me. They they, they, they just didn't show any good stuff. They didn't show all of the amazing things he accomplished and the influence that he had and sort of just some really good stuff that needed more positive stuff, I think. I thought the casting was okay, especially with like, you know, say, um, Quincy, uh, Barry Gordy was really well cast. The family was quite well cast. The, the Michaels through different eras. So there's three actors playing Michael there's the young Motown Michael. Then there's the, the teenage through to, you know, uh, solo era Michael. And then I liked
0: him. He was cool.
1: Yeah. So I think it was well cast, I guess, Ernest Valentino. I, don't know much about him. If someone could let me know, is he actually a person of color? I don't
0: know. All I know about him is that he was the hologram.
1: Yeah. So you might not know this, but if you if you didn't, he is actually the person that starred as Michael and acted as Michael in the Slave to the Rhythm horogram from that music award show a few years ago that was not Michael up on stage dancing this was Ernest Valentino and the isn't he also the cover of this is it the silhouette
0: I've heard that I don't know about that but yeah I I've heard that as well yeah
1: I think that might also be who is the the silhouette on the uh, This Is It poster and album and promo stuff. That wasn't Michael, by the way, folks. So, yeah. He's known and has worked with the estate.
0: Yep. Um, we have got the document docudrama in the show notes, a uh, link to it. So, it's on YouTube. Who knows how long it'll be there for. Uh, but check it out. Give us your thoughts on social media.
1: Just a quick before we go to the next little tiny news story, was that awful show with someone Alexander called uh, Man in the Mirror as well? Yeah, what was it was, was. What was that guy's name?
0: Uh, Flex Alexander. Flex
1: Alexander. That one. That was a torrent See, that one to me was far worse than this one.
0: Yeah. It. Do you mm, agree? Okay, I do agree. Um, because this one at least put in real footage here and there. Yeah. And had a, sort of a voiceover, which was worked in this case. The flex one was just, I just don't think you can do it. And his life was too grand. His life was too big. His, you can't recreate the dangerous tour on stage in a movie. Like it's just too big and too amazing. And I don't think you can fit Michael's life in two hours. that That's kind of why I think you need... What happens is you either get something like The One, which was an official Michael Jackson documentary release that came out in the number ones era, which is like an hour and a half of Michael's The Best, or you get an hour and a half of the critical stuff. I don't think you can fit all of the critical aspects of Michael's life and all the amazing things in one feature length thing. I think it needs to be multi-part
1: personally. Yeah, Definitely. Look forward to your thoughts on it and um, yeah. But for me, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't hate it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, a couple more news stories that we'll get through quickly. Um, there's a new uh, interview out with Jackie Jackson of the Jacksons. Uh, It was an interview conducted with the times and he goes into a bit of detail there about um, losing Michael and what that meant to him and the family and what the Jacksons are up to these days. It's a pretty cool read.
1: Yeah. So head to that. We'll have a link in the show notes. It'll either be a link where you need to enter an email address to get access or we'll try and put another link if we can find it of one where you can just uh, read the actual article. That's the story. We're done with that one. Let's move on. Lavelle Smith Jr. released a a small video clip of rehearsals featuring clips of routines, which are not MJ. Just clarifying, it's not MJ in these clips. It's uh, other dancers featuring the HBO one night only rehearsals. And these clips feature some of the different sort of choreography that would have been featured in the HBO one night only show if it had gone ahead as planned. It's not MJ in these clips. No.
0: So from my knowledge, there's only two instances where videos come out of this show. One of them was when they've got footage of Michael on stage with Marcel Marceau. Yes. um, Rehearsing and playing around and then there's this. This is interesting because you get to see what the show would have looked like, except well as a on very
1: stage. rehearsal rough. Well, like it's, not, it's not dress rehearsal. It's no, just pra- it's let's it's dance practice.
0: But you can get to see the lighting and the stage. Um, that's all done. That all looks like finished to me. All the lighting movements and everything. It's more just oh, the dance. I was too still-
1: too distracted by walking sticks. I didn't even look at yeah, that.
0: Yeah, what was with that?
1: So, for the song Bad, the dancers are dancing with walking sticks, like canes, walking canes.
0: Charles thought that
1: was me. Um, I remember his was, reaction, like, what is this? <laughs> what the heck was that? So, uh, I actually don't remember much of the other stuff. What I think it was Thriller featured. Yeah, and Dangerous.
0: Dangerous looked just like we've seen it, like except they're not in costume, but they're doing a similar routine to what is in... The Michael Jackson and Friends style, dangerous,
1: which um, we've heard about from Lavelle in our chat with him, and yeah,
0: it's an interesting little clip. Bad was bad clip. Is weird.
1: I don't, I yeah, don't bad think bad that would have worked.
0: That would not have worked. I'm sorry, but seeing
1: well, bad, I can't I can't say that because it was not in costume. It could have had a really awesome theme that we just don't know because there's nothing to put into context. So the bad, maybe they transplanted it from the 80s and put it back in like the 40s or something. Made it a sort of gangstery thing, we don't know. Who knows?
0: Looks weird. It's interesting. <laughs> it
1: look bad looks weird. The rest of it's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. there'll be a link in the show notes to that. For sure. Do
0: you want to go on a holiday to the US? You get to go with Navi.
1: Well, no, I don't want to go to the US because Trump is there and no, I'm not going back. To the US until he's not there, and hopefully, there'll still be a US to visit after he's finished. Um, and no, I don't want to go on holiday with Navi, that's creepy.
0: Is it Navi or Navi? I've never known how to say it. I don't know, anyway. So, he's doing a thing where you can go on a Michael Jackson themed tour of some locations in the US, I'm guessing LA locations. And he's in a bus with you, taking you to these places and talking about Michael. And he's like the guide, like a tour guide.
1: I have nothing to say. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I, I just think it would be so so weird, like, and kind of cringy seeing this Why? dude on a Why? bus. Why? Is he going to be dressed up as
1: Michael or is he going to be just his regular <laughs> everyday self? He if better be his him, everyday self. Yeah, if it's not his everyday self, that is just creepy as heck.
0: I can't wait to see photos of this.
1: <laughs> well, people will pay a huge amount of money to do something like this apparently and good good for you. Enjoy it if you do that and I hope you get your money's worth. That's all I'm going to say. Hope you get your money's worth. I mean, the
0: ads for it. I've looked I'm looking at the ad now. It's like a poster and it's got him in makeup on the poster. So, it's 10 nights. And you go to all these things, like you, you go to LA, Forest Lawn, Las Vegas, I'm guessing, I guess you'll go see MJ1, um, thriller ha- the Thriller House, you go to Neverland, um, you go to Michael Starr on the walk F- of... Oh, these are all things you can do yourself, by the way. You I don't need... I was just
1: going to say that. You can do every <laughs> single one of these things on your own. Oh my God. No. You don't
0: need... All you need is a copy of Christoph Charlot's Travelling with a King. Just get one of... Get that... And that's all you need. You can do
1: this. That's right. That's all you need. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. I've I've just got
0: images in my head of sitting on a tour bus and then MJ impersonate a Navi in full makeup and costume on the microphone driving. (laughs) Okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you look out to your left, you can see the Thriller House.
1: No. my God. (laughs) No. I would rather spend my money going to see Brad Sundberg in L.A. in June. Hell yes. So Brad's announced a three-day of MJ event from June 26, June 28 in LA, and I would rather spend my money on that.
0: So is this like the MJU thing that happened last year, sort of? Mm, Maybe. I think
1: the days have different themes. So I think there's a history day where track by track you learn about the creation of that. I think there's days where you feature segments on Neverland. This event is not at Neverland. I think venues will be confirmed, but just to be clear, this is not at Neverland, but there's someone that will be talking about Neverland. And when Brad takes you on a sort of visual and audio tour of Neverland, that's amazing. That was a huge highlight for when I went to the seminar. Uh, and then there's like, I think, a remix session. So, and I think there will be some other guests announced closer to the time. But yeah, uh,
0: it said that on the ad. It was like, on
1: oh, the yep, Facebook cool. ad. But he also has announced, uh, well, I think Mexico City is coming up very soon, actually. He'll be in Mexico City. He's also announced plans for this year to do events in New York, Orlando, uh, LA, which we're just talking about, uh, San Paolo, Minneapolis, Madrid, Oslo, Milan, Edmonton, Tokyo, and Osaka. So he's going to be busy. So hopefully all of those go ahead and um, people in and around those areas, get to experience the inner studio with MJ and learn all about MJ and his work and the evolution and creation of his art.
0: One last news story to wrap up the show. We
1: haven't got we haven't got a Charles clip. Sorry,
0: no. We're he going to try and busy. do this. Yeah, <laughs> law segment on our own.
1: <laughs> Fail. Um, there were lawyers and judges and. They did
0: things.
1: (laughs) They did law things to peoples. So you you haven't read much about this and I'm not an expert, but all we can give you is the details that I'm going to read from jacksonsource.com. That's jackson-source.com. Judge dismisses Catherine Jackson's elder abuse lawsuit against her nephew, Trent Lamar Jackson, a California judge, just dismissed Catherine Jackson's elder abuse lawsuit against her nephew, whom she had a temporary restraining order against in February. The ailing... Ma- I don't think she's ailing. Why am I reading this? Why is that in there? There's nothing. I've say, never seen anything of it. Why would they say ailing? Which, I don't know. fine to me. I think this is according to TMZ, so hello. Uh, The matriarch who turns 87 next week apparently and her attorneys were unprepared to go forward with a full-blown trial on Tuesday, according to TMZ. Uh, She had previously claimed the 52-year-old son of her husband, Joe Jackson's brother, Luther, Abused her and stole money from her accounts as her caretaker and driver. The thing is, with this, um, I don't. Did we put the did we put the documents up for this on no. our website? They'd be in the no, show notes. We only put Casio
0: we? documents up.
1: But didn't we link maybe to the documents when they came out in a previous show?
0: Mm, I don't remember. Doing that.
1: Okay, so those documents that came out and they were all the statements from many, many people that had had interactions with Catherine and with Trent. Germaine and, yeah. Yeah, Jermaine, there was family members. I think Reeby was in there. Uh, was there one of the 3T boys perhaps? But then close friends of Catherine as well that had also experienced stuff with Trent. So they had all of these sort of statements given to prove this claims of what she was saying that trent was doing so i don't understand why they would need a a trial like it was a a restraining order and like please leave the property kind of business so i don't know why they the judge would have needed an entire trial for that but i guess you know she's 87 you don't want to have to go with a full-blown trial so i'm not sure what's going to happen and that's about the extent that I could really talk about it.
0: I'm just confused why, if you're Catherine Jackson and you are an estate beneficiary and you're living in the house and you're elderly and you don't want somebody around, why is that person still there? That's what I don't understand. Like, why can't they just go? Yes, they're using that. Obviously, they're using manipulation and force to stay there, probably etc. But why aren't Catherine's other children coming along and saying, Trent, you need to go now. Our mother doesn't want you here. Like, why is that a thing?
1: Well, I hope after this he does go and leaves and she can organise her own affairs. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, if you know more about it, hit us up on social media. Educate us. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I was wandering in the rain. masculine life, feeling insane. Swift and sudden, fall from gray Sunny days seem far away. Crimson and shadow, but little and mean. Sky is doom, Omor-
0: This is Tito Jackson and this Tito Time and thanks for listening to the MJ cast.
1: So what inspired this discussion topic which is just going to be a very loose discussion topic by the way. What inspired this?
0: I don't know. You didn't you put it in
1: the show notes. It wasn't this because of like a song that you found?
0: Oh, oh. yeah, there was a leak. There was a leak. So It wasn't a leak.
1: It was just a wasn't a leak. It was just a remix.
0: Yeah, well, sort of like the multi tracks leaked, basically. Well, when I say leaked, these like I mean these these multi tracks get shared amongst uh, remix artists and um, collectors and stuff all the time. So multi tracks of Michael's original recordings of famous songs. Sometimes those tracks get, maybe not the word leaked, but they get widespread attention because somebody might put them on a file share website or something rather than keeping them private. And that's what happened recently with the multi-tracks for blood on the dance floor. And somebody got it and made like what they called a stripped mix of the song. Uh, And it was received. Okay. It was pretty sort of bare bones, but that came out and it sort of gave me, I don't know about you Q, but it gave me a bit of a, a fresh look or a fresh outlook on the song blood on the dance floor. And uh, it's kind of inspired our discussion this uh, for this episode around the album Blood on the Dance Floor.
1: So, back in the early years of my friendship with Paul Black, I remember going over to his house and he had this really big stereo, like, you know, back then stereo speakers were like, you know, 70, 80 centimeters high and it was like a big thing and it was really cool and it sounded amazing. I remember we used to sort of put music on and he would play around with the uh, what was it called graphic equalizer or something it's the thing that you move up and down levels of sounds and elements and bring other elements out and other things go down so you can hear things better so to me that that stripped mix made me think that love that because to me it was just like uncovering more vocal stuff or more background things bass and stuff like that i it was it was okay i wouldn't play it for fun so that's what i remember back then but i was going to say do you remember much of cuz it was before your time the blood on the dance floor album do you remember when it came out or the video or the song when it came out or you only discovered it after you were a fan in 2001
0: blood on the dance floor was Probably the last Michael piece that I explored and in, and discovered before I would consider myself a fan who engaged with everything. My first memory of blood on the anything related to blood on the dance floor was watching the um, the the Wycliffe Jean remix of it in History Volume Two DVD. That was my oh. first exposure to it. And it was like the last... I think it was the last Michael Jackson album I actually bought.
1: So, did you then think that was the real song? Yeah, and the real that was the video? first. I never
0: heard the Blood on the Dance Floor" song. Like, that was... I had heard the Refugee Camp mix like a million times before I'd ever heard the actual song.
1: So, what did you think when you finally heard the original or saw the original video?
0: Well, I'm a bit of a weird case because I... I not only did I hear the the refugee camp mix first and I know you're gonna hate on me with this probably, but I'd, I'd really like that mix. I do like I, I don't usually like remixes a lot, but um, that particular one I, I like what they did with it, I think. So when I heard the real song, I felt this is so weird and trippy, but I felt the real I reacted to the real song like it was a remix.
1: <laughs> so does that mean did you like it?
0: Yeah, I love it and now okay. I like the original way more but at the time okay. it was like, oh, this is an odd listen for me because I'm used to the other one. It's like if you'd always just heard the Timbaland version of something from Escape and then someone shows you the original, um, I don't know. The
3: superior whatever. version? <laughs> the superior yeah, yeah. original <laughs> demo?
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. What about the video? Because the video is quite like it's similar but it's different so what about do you remember the reaction when you watched the original video after only experiencing the remix video which was officially released over and over again for some reason I
0: I don't have any memory of watching the real video because I think the real video sort of came out in the vision era the visionary or whatever vision what was it called something like that when, the, when after he died and that DVD set came out like yeah yeah, and they're, they're not that different. The the refugee camp video and the real video are pretty similar, I would say. There's a few different yep. shots in each one, but they're more or less pretty similar. I'm not a huge fan of the video, to be honest. It's okay, and I love Vincent. I think he's amazing, but I don't think the video is at the same standard of Michael's other work.
1: Yeah, it was probably quite rushed because yep. it was probably done between legs of the history tour. And when I he was say.
0: having a kid as
1: well. Well, yeah, that too. Um, like his ba- his
0: baby Prince was born I think during the shoot Kevin told us and oh, I, it's more yeah. the aesthetics, it's, it's more the aesthetics of it it's like I've explained I think I've explained it on the show before it's just too clean like it's meant to be in some kind of nightclub thing but it's just too artificial and clean and it just doesn't feel right um, this, it's the set. If it was in a different set, whoever was in charge of the art design of the set, that's my issue with it.
1: <laughs> Not the concept. Okay. Because the walls are covered in alfoil?
0: Yeah, just weird alfoil stuff and it's all silvery and clean and it's so fluoro-y and no one would actually dance in that way, in that setting, in real life. It just doesn't feel... It just feels too sterile. If they had shot it in some kind of club... I think it would feel a lot better to me. Like if it was darker yep. and moodier and yeah, I don't know. Okay.
1: Um, I haven't. What got are your memories memory, of it? Well, very fuzzy, like really, really fuzzy memories. And it's really weird. I remember I was the bought the very first singles of Blood on the Dance Floor when they came out and thought oh my god I'm, I'm the first person in my town to have bought these so i'm going to buy like two or three and then i'm never going to use this one because it was a was like what a stupid idiot i was because you know no one cares that i have the first single bought in my little tiny city town where i lived at the time no one cares i think i ended up giving mm-hmm. it to a friend that liked the song um as a gift in the end so i remember being You know, the first in line, I think they hadn't even unpacked them from the box yet and I had to wait for them to to cut the tape and get it out of the box and scan it. So I remember getting the single, but I don't remember the actual album release and getting the album or the announcement for it or where I first heard about it. I have no memories and that's really weird.
0: From reading Mike Smallcomb's book, and I read a chapter this morning in preparation for this on Blood on the Dance Floor, the way he explains it is that the album was targeted at non-US markets. So, mainly Europe and then UK and Australia also. But the promotional push around it was not like a proper MJ album. It sort of just came out with a little bit of pr- promo here and there, but not like a massive marketing thing around it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the the songs on it aren't from, they're not from that time. Like Michael didn't go, ooh, I want to record a whole set of new songs for Blood on the Dance Floor. They were songs that were written for Dangerous and History that were almost complete that he just had to put the finishing touches on for Blood on the Dance Floor.
1: Which he did mostly in Europe.
0: Yeah, Europe, in Switzerland, and I believe... Uh, a little bit in the US as well uh, during the six month break between the first and second legs of the history tour and the songs um, themselves, there's some interesting stories behind them. I I found it fascinating that there somewhere there is a full blown Teddy Riley only production of blood on the dance floor and what we have on the blood on the dance floor album is not Teddy Riley. I didn't know that. And, and everyone thinks it's a Teddy song, and it is. Like, his original production is Teddy. But what happened was the tape, the demo for the song was damaged or something. So, they couldn't use the original Teddy components. They had to recreate all of Teddy's sounds using Brad Buxer. Whoa. So, it's a recreation of Teddy's original. No one, People haven't got Teddy's original to listen to, which, which is pretty wow. cool, I think. And Teddy's done an interview saying that he wishes he was brought in to finish it, but he wasn't in the end. It was Brad. Mm. Yeah.
1: Did you learn that in Mike, Mike Smolcombe's book?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've yeah, read okay. it before, but I when I go back and read things in preparation for specific chats, like I seem to soak things in a little bit more, So
1: Cool. Yeah. So, also, I guess it's important to note that the remix album wasn't meant to be a remix album i think it wasn't the original concept just an ep of the five original tracks blood morphine superfly ghosts and is it scary but the record company were like well no one's going to buy that so we're going to have to put remixes on it well the original
0: concept was actually to do history volume two okay it was going to be history volume two and it was going to be another – that that was the very original concept. So, it was going to be two discs again and disc one was going to be greatest hits again but incorporating songs like Human Nature, Dangerous and Smooth Criminal plus the hits from History. Um, and then it was going to have a new disc of totally fresh material again. But that that idea was scrapped because of no time. And then then, your, then what you said, Michael actually just wanted to do... A, that was Michael's idea. He just wanted to do a maxi single of five songs or whatever. And that idea was rejected by Sony. Sony said, okay, we'll do your idea, but you have to put on remixes with it as well. And Michael didn't like that idea at all.
1: So let's, let's go through... So, okay, the singles were Blood on the Dance Floor, Ghosts, and History. They were the singles released from the album. Uh, There's videos for Blood, Ghosts, the whole short film, and then the short film. And then there's also the film clip for the history, Tony Moran's History Lesson. Let's go through the album, not like 20 minutes on each track or anything, but let's go through the album and talk about it. So you love Blood on the Dance Floor. I love Blood on the Dance Floor. I think it's a really good song. I love the groove. Um. I love the vocals. The vocals on Blood and I really love. Actually, I love all the, the vocals on all of the five first tracks, so I can't really <laughs> just single that out and say I love vocals. They're all amazing. I think the vocals on this album are, are is some incredible stuff. Yes. Um, the video, it's fine. I think you like the 8mm version better.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, it's... That, only because I've seen the original, I reckon it would be really weird watching the 8mm version without having seen the original. You'd be like, what yeah. is going on here? Because it's so grainy. Yeah.
1: It does add like a whole darker atmosphere to this yeah. dark themed track. I thought that was cool. Yes. And it's just the 8mm, it's not, I think it's just a, an effect put on footage. So. Well, uh,
0: Vincent Patterson said that it was properly shot on 8mm. Okay. He said that, like, I don't know if that's true because I think, I, I personally think you're right because <laughs> it just looks like the original footage with a filter on it. But, yes. um, yeah, I will say, you know, it, Vincent has said in an interview they shot an eight millimeter version. So who knows?
1: Okay. Um, shall we move on to morphine?
0: Well, 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 I want to talk about blood. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm with you. I love the sound of it a lot. I, um, it continues that theme that goes through a lot of Michael's uh, music of the femme fatale, of this sinister woman who's trying to take advantage of the main character in the song. And uh, I, th- I think it's cool. that I mean, I think from memory that's the last time he used that theme in music.
1: Heartbreaker.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. But um, it's one of the last times he used that theme, I'll say. But, um, yeah, it's good a very good song I like how he blended that complex theme with a with a really cool pop groove yes I'm surprised it didn't chart better to be honest
1: well I think it did pretty well in Europe yeah maybe but not so much but um, a lot of people that are not general MJ fans like us actually quite like Blood on the dance floor
0: yes I've noticed that it's kind of got that rock my world effect where it really reaches a lot of people
1: hmm to me, I think more people would probably like Blood on the Dance Floor in Isolation than You Rock My World, though. I don't know why.
0: My students like yesterday listening to You Rock My World randomly in class. <laughs> they started playing it. I think they were trying to get good grades off me.
1: <laughs> probably, yeah. I think yeah. they're playing you. <laughs> Track two is Morphine. Mm. Brilliant. Deep. What? Uh, Deep, deep, deep stuff. And I think when I first heard this, I was, I guess, a bit in shock at like, whoa, Mm -hmm. the themes of this song, Michael had never really put something out like this before. Like, yeah, themes on, like this song would have gone on history and fit perfectly because the themes are so deep. It was it was shocking to hear and, and to me when I heard it it was like yes Michael is singing about his experience in this yeah and the bridge I've, like just yeah. blew me away like the the contrast between the heavy sort of rock and then the haunting classical, classical element yeah. like so few people can do something like that and make it work and and this is just such a song of contrasts and deep themes that it just fits perfectly.
0: I just, this is one of those songs where if I was having dinner with Michael, I would pull out the lyric sheet and be like, what does this mean? Like, I'm such a swine baby all down the line. Daddy, I hate your kind baby. So unreliable. Like those kind of lyrics. I want to, what does that mean? I mean, it's obviously all about drug addiction and, and, very autobiographical Mm. but yeah so deep and this is one of those songs that'll be studied for years and it's weird that this song isn't one that a lot of people mention all the time when they're discussing Michael the depth of his artistry and lyric lyrical composition I think
1: more like yeah definitely with um in amongst the community and MJ academics it is but for general people writing about Michael like how they don't come across this is like how it's so clear and obvious and it's like, it's almost like child. It's like the darker side of childhood. Yeah. I guess like he said that was his most autobiographical song, but I think this, I don't think it was, I I don't want to say it was a cry for help, but I think it was inspired directly and, It was there in front of us that he'd had these, which you know he uh, he went into rehab in uh, in the '90s and and dealt with this. Obviously, then there was no secret, and this is alongside that. This is not a secret. So yeah, I don't know why it doesn't get more attention.
0: It's very good. It's like, and I love how in our Rob Hoffman special, he was talking about it being inspired by that Nine Inch Nails heavy dark rock sound. Yeah. That's cool. It's cool. I it's a sound that Michael loved, hadn't really played
1: with a lot. No, I love Rock MJ as well. Mm. In the This Is It
0: special features, Michael Prince said he really wishes he had been able to get Michael on some really heavy rock. Yes. but um,
1: I wish there was a video yeah. for this track. It would have been really trippy and dark and amazing visuals, I'm sure.
0: Well, the song itself is quite visual. Like when I close my eyes and listen to it, there's all those film clip excerpts in the song.
1: Yep, from the Elephant Man film.
0: Yeah. Star-
1: was that starring John, the late, great John Hurt? I think that was the film.
0: And David Lynch. I think it was his first film as well that he directed.
1: Wow. Um, yeah, So it was good r- song. ripe, ripe for a video. It was, I guess, sad that I didn't get one.
0: Do you think that it was – do you think Michael would have been better off saving these songs for Invincible or do you think they needed to come out in that era because they had that dangerous history sound and it would have been a bit dated a few years later?
1: I think it would have been dated a few years later. I think these came out at the right time.
0: Yeah. Love it.
1: Superfly Sisters track three. It's not one of my favourite tracks.
0: Me neither. This is where we agree. (laughs) Really? Really?
1: (laughs) Wow. Like, it's a fine song. It's fine. But I don't love it. I like the sound of it. I like the story of it. I just, it's not a song that I would play on repeat over and over. It's like when I go, oh, Superfly Sister. Okay, let's get to Ghosts already. Hurry up, skip, skip to Ghosts.
0: I, I, I've got to be honest and say, I just in general don't like the songs Michael worked on with Brian Loren, like that much. Um, he, all the Dangerous Rejects, all of the, you know in, you know, including this one. I just don't like that sound. I I don't know why. It's just, it's not that it's dated. It's not about that. I just don't, I don't know. I'm not just, I'm just not into it. Too bouncy. I
1: think to me it did sound a bit dated. Yeah. Maybe. It just, to me, it didn't fit with the other five new tracks. It sort of stood out like a sore thumb.
0: I'm surprised he didn't complete like on the line or something. Not on the line, um... Well, that was actually one being considered for Blood on the Dance Floor as well. but uh, Which then
1: came out in the Ghost Box set at yeah, this time.
0: Yep. The, uh, in the Back. I'm surprised because he was working yeah. on two two other songs, In the Back and Seven Fingers, I think it was called. But yeah, I don't know why he didn't finish In the Back. He was working on it for Blood.
1: That would have fit better, I think, than Superfly Sister. Yeah, agree. For sure.
0: But yeah, that's, I found it kind of cool though that like at least even though I don't like that sound, I like that narrative of Brian doing all that work with Michael for Dangerous. And then, I mean, imagine how that would have felt. Like Brian worked on at least six or something songs with Michael and none of them, they were all completed and none of them got on the album. Teddy took that place. And then it must have felt good for Brian to come back seven years later or whatever it was, six years later and finally get one of his songs with Michael on a record.
1: Yeah. But, uh, For yeah. sure. Anyway. What what do you think about the sort of themes of the song?
0: Uh, again, I think it's cool that Michael dealt with really complex, controversial, dark themes. Like, I mean, it's about prostitution and, and women selling their bodies. Uh, so, I think it's good that Michael dealt with that issue and he was never afraid of dealing with those big issues in in music. It was cool. It's a good, good, hmm, interesting. I think the thing.
1: way to me, he's dealing with it, but in a sort of not. I don't, I don't want to say juvenile, but just in a in a very basic way. Like he doesn't. I don't think he sort of had much concept of that really. Well, he's being critical of of the
0: character. You know, Susie liked to agitate, get the boy, and make him wait. Mothers preach in Abraham brothers they don't give a damn or something. To me that sounds like he's being pretty critical of the the woman's behaviour in the um in the narrative. And I don't know, yeah, it's kind of like monkey business. Does it remind you of monkey business any at, at all or
1: I guess I never really thought about it. Maybe
0: it's kind of like a like you say, like a silly poking fun at that kind of behaviour. And yeah. I think prostitution is a little bit deeper than that. Yes. But you'd never know. Like Michael might not be being critical of prostitution in the song. He might be portraying a character who is being critical of it, not really himself. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't want to tell Michael short and say that he didn't think about the complexity of prostitution um, necessarily. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's cool that there's those religious, again, there's like religious lyricism in here, like holy Mary, mercy me. I can't believe the things I see. So yeah, I can sort of get the character of this like young girl having grown up maybe in a really religious setting and then going against that to become a prostitute. So he's built the narrative quite well in the story.
1: I also think the song goes far too long. How long is it? Six and a half minutes, isn't it? Oh, is it really? Yeah, that's like so long. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have
0: to have a, I might listen to it again today. It's been a long time.
1: And then like I'm like, years. just again, just get just get to Ghost, get to track four. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, the only thing that bugs me about Ghost and is it scary is the, the same lyric at the start. Does that annoy you?
1: It confused me so much as a teenager listening to these songs because they both got sort of like I guess the beat is different but then they start with the same lyrics and I always used to think is my CD player playing this on repeat? <laughs> what's happened? Did I press repeat? Is it skipping? What, what's going on here? Didn't I just hear this song? But I think that's because I was back then really concentrating on the lyrics yeah. more than actual track.
0: And the lyrics are, Um, there's a ghost down in the hall, there's a ghoul up on the bed, there's something in the walls, there's blood up on the stairs.
1: Cool. And then tell us the lyrics of Is It Scary? Bring those up. (laughs) Same. And then, so it's interesting that I don't think there's really any other songs that he's ever done that. No. Where he's repeated, like, that's three or four lines.
0: I think he just should have rewritten lyrics for one of them because – yeah, it's just, I don't like it. It's kind of like, I think he was playing around with the same lyrical idea and then just left it in both. And I and I think that, um, yeah, it's a bit confusing for listeners and it makes the songs fa- sound that little bit more incomplete lyrically. Yeah. And they're both r- guess, finished products, really.
1: Yeah. Except for that. Um, but I love Ghosts as a track, you know, thank God. God, it's on here, gave birth to the Ghost short film, which I think was then used to help promote the Blood on the Dance Floor album as well. In the Ghost box set, Blood on the Dance Floor album uh, was in that box set, as well as the, the the single which had ghosts and in the line, I think it was, or was it, is it scary? And there was another track on there. Was it ghosts or is it scary? I'll have to check. Don't know. Um, but I love Ghosts. Me too. I think it's a brilliant track. I think it's a such it's not threatened. I think threatened for me out of all of these themed tracks is the best and the most superior, but in some ways I think the lyrics of and themes of ghosts is way better than thriller. It's more adult, I think. More grown up. Yeah,
0: I think so. It's very poetic, in the sense of like, it's in the vein of those Edgar Allan Poe, yeah,
1: yeah, stories. That's really, definitely.
0: Like just the the way he is delivering those lyrics. Like, there's a that's tapping in the so floor. There's a po- the door. Yeah, there's a rocking in the chair, but nobody's sitting there. Like that that kind of stuff is so cool. And then and then the the you know. um, Who gave you the right to shake my family tree? What does that mean?
1: That's so cool.
0: (laughs) I um I love the lyrics of ghosts. And I that's why. I mean, a lot of people prefer Is It Scary, but I personally prefer ghosts because it's a beautiful it's like I just love the blend of so is it we'll get to is it scary in a bit I guess but is it scary in the chorus is goes in a different direction to the rest of the song and it's very rock but um, the thing I like about ghosts is it really stays true to its new jack swing sound all the way through but marries it really well with those horror sounds and lyrics yeah and I yeah for me it's the first time Michael blended hip-hop slash new Jack sound with that theme.
1: It's got this frustration coming out in this song as well. Like this is like, you know, why are you sort of haunting? Like, you know, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It's like a frustration. Like why are you wasting your time on this sort of stuff?
0: Shot an arrow in me. Tell me, are you the ghost of jealousy? A sucking ghost of jealousy. Yeah. It's not, yeah, there's it's another song where it's like the, there's a lot of deeper stuff going on under these lyrics in Michael's mind. Very, very cryptic.
1: Would have been so cool to have him talk about this.
0: And that's why I get frustrated at all those interviewers. Let's talk about your nose instead of the depth of your artistry. How frustrating that must have been for him.
1: But like I mentioned before, before we move to is it scary? Thank God we got such a brilliant short film out of this.
0: Yeah, it's nah, um, yeah. yeah. It is a work what they of did. Art. It, so when we when you say short film, you mean the, the full small film. version? No, oh, the no, full no film. Fuck, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: fuck that. That's screwed <laughs> up. Yeah, that's awful. Like, why would you watch a four minute version of like the full thing? No, I ignore the short version always. I mean the proper short film, yeah,
0: good Thank God <laughs> one one of them I've never seen, so there's kind of three versions, isn't there? There's the short one that came out on vision, which is like yeah. a four minute thing, yeah, then there's the really long one that Stan Winston went back a year later after filming ghosts and redid to include Is it scary and other things, and then there's the. Then there's the pure one, which you and Paul Black saw, which is... Which
1: only had two bad, and then Ghosts played in the credits, the closing credits.
0: And another thing I learnt in Mike Smallcombe's book is that apparently Michael Jackson said that that was the version he liked better. Even after Stan did the long one, Michael still said he didn't think that was necessary. The first one was better, he thought.
1: I think it's for... Yes, except for some of the special effects. Um, It's like when they redid it with um, Is It Scary and Ghosts in the main portion of the film, as well as Too Bad, they updated some of the special effects and I think they were the better version of the special effects.
0: My only issue with the new version is that um, because of the way that it was shot, like Michael never performed Is It Scary or Too Bad? I'm sorry, Is It Scary or Ghosts? So, they had to cut footage of him performing too, too bad to other songs. And yep. d- due to the way that they cut it, there's some really weird edit moments. Yeah. Like, there's some, one moment, I don't know if you've noticed, but you know how Michael's wearing the shirt and it sort of, um, I don't know if it rips or something, but a part of the shirt ends up coming down and looking like a sash across his body. And in yep. some shots... The shirt's fully behind his body blowing in the wind and then in other shots, there's no wind and it's straight over his front and it's a little bit inconsistent.
1: There's a lot of that in Michael's videos, so inconsistency. That's like in Come Together. He's got that shirt ripped open to the navel and then in the next shot, it's ripped only a tiny bit at the top. Is it scary?
0: Is it scary? The big one. It's I think it's That's the a, boldest, biggest song on the on the
1: album. It is. It's so bold. It's so grand. Mm.
0: I, it's good. It's it good. is. It, do, it doesn't work in every setting. Like once I went to a bowling alley and it was playing you know, <laughs> during a um.
1: I yeah, Ghosts would have fit better, I think. yeah, <laughs> <Bowling it's, alley. laughs>
0: It is amazing. It's a masterpiece to listen to, but it's not a song for every ev- occasion, I don't think. Yeah. It's got that sort of earth song quality where it's a bit more subdued in the verses and then just blows up in the choruses.
1: Definitely, yes.
0: And a different sound. And I'll admit, I, I as much of a masterpiece as I do think it is, I do feel that the song is a little bit too different in the choruses to the verses f- for me. Still amazing, still a masterpiece. But um, yeah, what do you think?
1: The lyrics in this are incredible. Like, am I yes. amusing you or just confusing you? Am I the beast you visualized? And if you want to see eccentricities, I'll be grotesque before your eyes. I think this is such an incredible social commentary and Mm -hmm. gives like it shows that Michael really was, I think, one, sort of seeing what people were saying, but also using that to, or I guess I don't want to say to his advantage or his disadvantage, but he would sort of use that. And he'd been doing that since the bad era, I think, when he would sort of leak stories to the press and then say, go with this one because I want headlines. Like for him, it was the whole P.T. Barnum thing of attention had to be on him constantly. He was to be the biggest star in the whole world. Yeah. Whether he then realized that that created a monster in the press, um, maybe but he was like, well, if people are seeing me this way, then, you know, I can get away with acting the way I do because that's what they expect and that's the character. I think people forget that the Michael Jackson that was, you know, in the media was a character in so many regards. That was a character he created from, you know, early age, but it wasn't the real Michael Jackson. It was a in some ways, a bizarre character. And that's what a lot of us fell in love with. It was this character of Michael Jackson. And then when we peel back the layers and discover the real Michael and everything else that went into him, we love him even more.
0: Yeah. And, And then, of course, there's the lyric that a lot of our academic friends like to talk about and discuss, which is masquerade the heart is the height of haunting souls just not what you seek of me? Can the heart reveal the proof like a mirror reveals the truth? See, the evil one is you.
1: I think that's dead, like 100% spot on. I think Michael mm. Jackson acts as a social mirror and how people react to him says a lot more about themselves than it does about Michael.
0: I think so too. And I remember a lot of my conversations with people when I was – Growing up as a Michael Jackson fan, especially people that would comment around, oh, he was, he was white when he was older. He just turned himself white or whatever. Like, it reveals an inherent uh, prejudice in them, I think. Yeah. Like Michael said in those interviews, in Oprah and Bashir, he said, you know, if a white person sits out in the sun all day to try and look black, nobody says anything about that. But as soon as they criticize him... Uh, to me it reveals their prejudice so it's a deep song
1: it's so deep that line is yeah you know says so much and it really is true yeah so if people you know if you people are trying to argue with you about Michael and you know bring him down then just think about well what are they actually getting at here? Like, doesn't this say more about them? Like they're not willing to learn the truth. They're just going off headlines and media stuff and they don't actually know what they're talking about. And this does reveal prejudices on race or appearance and and gender and how people act and, because, you know, the way Michael was, was like no one else, because he, there was no one else that grew up the same as him. So you can't compare him to anyone else at all, because no one has had that experience. There is no shared experience that you can compare. Like even other child stars, they never had a career that spanned as long. Or then, like, say, Shirley Temple, she went on to become like a nuclear scientist. So that's a completely different career later in her life. I'm pretty sure that's that was accurate. i hopefully didn't get that wrong. I'm pretty sure she was she was definitely a science person in some field, so you can't compare Michael to anyone else. So you, it's very hard to even understand Michael because there's no other sort of case study for that. It's
0: not to say he was perfect or like he should, you know, we should consider him as perfect and the fault is with everybody else looking at him.
1: No, 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 not at all. He did he made some very sort of decisions that were not wise and way he did some things.
0: But but I think you're right that he had such a unique life and his fame was so his the level of fame that he had was so intense that he was in a context like no other person ever. Mm. Yeah. Good song if you want to learn about Michael Jackson, for sure. Yes. And then there's all the remixes. <laughs>
1: Yes, there is. Yes, there is.
0: You like some of them more than I do. I don't really like many of them, but I like a couple.
1: Okay, so the first one is Scream Louder. No, it's crap. It's not terrific. (laughs) (laughs) It's such an odd sort of mix of the song. I guess the song is and like we've played some scream mixes on the show with very different sort of sounds to them but i think the scream is such a brilliant song that when it goes off in another direction it either nails it or it doesn't and i don't think this one nails it
0: no i think a lot of these songs though as well like are very much rooted in the late 90s Europe club sound like that was going on at that time and that has not dated well, in my opinion. It just has not dated well. For
1: some of them, definitely, that is the case,
0: yes. But but some of the song... Some, what What's surprising is that some of the people brought in to remix these songs, like some of them are just classic house remix artists like Tony Moran and people like that, but Flight Time, that's... Um, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, like they came in to remix Scream. Okay. Like, so they're the original producers of Scream and then they came in to do a new version of it and it just didn't sound anywhere near as good, which to me shows that, well, the, impact, the, the artistic um, collaboration with Michael and Janet was, was pretty important too to that song.
1: I think a rock mix, like making it even more rock would have fit better and been a yeah. better contender to go on this album. Yeah. Moving down to track seven, Money, the Fire Island radio edit. Crap. I love this one. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not surprising. We disagree. <laughs> okay. So your version is crap. I like it. I like <laughs> that's it. That's okay. That it, has, it has, Um. I don't know, it, uh, to me, it sort of captured a little bit of the essence of the original, and that's why I like it. Yeah. It's got a really smooth groove, and it just grooves along.
0: Well, it, it's not as bad as number eleven, but we'll get to that. We'll get. It's not the worst on there.
1: I'd say that twelve or eleven. Anyway, we'll get there. I, I like the money mix. I think it's good. So, and I think you know that could play on the radio. Yeah, that was like a radio-friendly mix. Like that's the thing with Michael's music. If you want to boil it down. To airplay a lot of his stuff wasn't radio friendly like you couldn't be listening to the radio and hear is it scary
0: no definitely
1: not so sometimes he
0: I'd say the only song on here that's radio friendly is blood probably
1: okay yeah yeah morphine's not really radio friendly I don't know maybe Actually, morphine, ghosts, maybe, maybe. Too bad, track eight. I love love it. Yeah, me too. Oh, I thought you didn't like too. it. I, I thought you no, didn't I, like
0: the Refugee Camp mix.
1: No, I like it.
0: Maybe it was Charles that didn't like it. Someone hated. Charles it. doesn't
1: like Charles doesn't like anything. <laughs> so he that probably Prince. would have been Charles. He likes <laughs> Prince and the original Michael stuff, some of and
0: digestives.
1: <laughs> um, but no, I like the Refugee Camp remix. I think it's captured an essence of the original as well. Like, I'm not saying it's better than the original when I say things at all. Um, But, no, I like the Too Bad mix. It's definitely – my favourite tracks were, you know, like um, uh, Ghosts and Is It Scary and Money Too Bad and Track 13. They were always my favourites.
0: The Refugee Camp mix of Too Bad is like um, the only – well, that and their remix of Blood on the Dance Floor. They're the only Michael Jackson official remixes – that I can swap out with the originals and still enjoy them on a similar level. Cool. For me.
1: I think they could have done um, a video just to the refugee camp remix of Too Bad. To, this, to, to me, Too Bad the track is so ingrained in the Ghosts film that yeah. it's hard for me to sort of separate them. Yeah. But I could see the Too Bad they could have done a, a separate video just for that. In more like a urban urban theme. Like street urban sort yes. of thing.
0: Yes. Well, that's Wycliffe's whole thing. Like, I mean, he and you know what's cool is he actually worked with Michael on other stuff too that people haven't heard before. Oh. Yeah. He, okay. he There's a there's an interview with him and he's paying out on Michael because he says that Michael never paid him, but apparently they worked together in the stu- in the studio um doing stuff and no one's heard that stuff.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then um, there's Stranger in Moscow.
1: Stranger Moscow, Tee He's in Club Remix. No. No.
0: Nah, it's out. It sucks. Goodbye.
1: I don't like it at all. Like
0: I like the acoustic one that we played on the show. Yes. That's good.
1: Yeah. I think club mixes are so weird when it's a ballad.
0: I agree. It's just why I do it? Why mix oh, them? I don't, I don't get God.
1: it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did this, did this really ever play in a club? Please let me so. know if you ever heard this remix actually played in a club. Uh,
0: this time around, track ten, DM Radio mix. I, I can't even I remember.
1: The, it. I have the big vinyl of this, and you played yeah. um, you played one of these back in maybe season one or season two. I like which the uh, remixes
0: of this time around. Some of them, the ones that are really street and hip hop, but I don't, I, I don't remember this one. But from memory, it's not like that.
1: No, I don't remember it much, so I don't think no. it's that great.
0: Moving on, it's crap.
1: Okay. Harney's Club Experience of Earth Song, seven minutes 56. What the hell?
0: Diabolical, disgusting mess of a remix. And I, I think, think Ruckold, I don't know, element. but I reckon Michael would have heard it and went, This is disgusting.
1: There's. Like, you can't sort of do something in there's very few occasions where you could do something with earth song that would give it the respect that it deserves. There's musical elements of the mix that I like. So I love the whole, the the part that I really love the most actually went and used in the e-sonic commercial. Mm. I love that sort of background and the, the haunting sort of sound and then the little elements I like those elements, but not turning Earth Song into that. No. So I guess go and listen to the eSonic commercial on YouTube with Michael in it and Omar Batty, actually. Um, yeah. I'm writing this down so you can add it to the additional links um, <laughs> so people can go and hear what I like about it. But I don't love Earth Song itself as this mix.
0: Track twelve is your favourite song ever.
1: It's no, it's awful. No, I like Nick's. You are not alone. I don't even love Michael's. You are not alone anymore. I did at the time when it came out and it was like number one and stuff. And they released like four hundred versions of the single, but I don't think I love many of the mixes.
0: It's just I just hate this remix. I like the song, I don't like the remix. You are not alone was huge in like Asia. In China. That's like the I reckon in China You Are Not Alone is Michael's number one. People would know that in China more than Billy Jean, I reckon, for sure. It's
1: huge. Wow.
0: I'm not kidding. Wow. Like everywhere you go in China they play You Are Not Alone. It's a huge hmm. song.
1: Um, yeah, I don't really have much else to say about the You're Not Alone. Yeah, me neither.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm but I glad, just hate these I'm glad, remixes.
1: <laughs> I'm glad that it never sort of came out as um a single on the radio. Yeah, yeah. The next one is
0: one you you like, but I can't remember it. Like I just have to it's, listen to it for a sec because I can't r I honestly can't remember it, but I know you like it. So
1: Okay, you do that and I will talk about it and yep. the video a little bit. I really liked it. I think history is such a unique sounding song. It's pieced together with so many audio clips and stuff. And it's like, a, it's like traveling through history. It's like a history book. It's, um, and then it's got this really different chorus to the verse, this huge contrast. I think what I like about this song is it's not as contrasting and, it's so uplifting. To me, what I really like about it is that it's uplifting. And then a video came out for it and it only used footage of Michael in it. But I was like, oh, my God, this video was awesome. I want to dance in the club with these people that look so cool. <laughs> like, who would not want to dance with these cool-looking people in this club? I think this club felt like a more real nightclub than the blood on the dance floor club. Yeah. It was dark and it had, you know – just elements of a nightclub that you would actually see even though it was sort of this weird I think meta virtual reality kind of thing where the girl put those goggles on and travelled into the club in VR kind of experience it was strange concept but I thought it was awesome but yeah I think I really like because this song is feels, feels so uplifting
0: yeah I just had a quick listen to it
1: and you hate it
0: Oh, look, again, I don't like that Euro Club house sound from the 90s. So it's definitely in there. Um, But it's a little, it's slightly more listenable to me than the other throwaway crap ones. But um, yeah, it's still not my kind of sound. I'm more into urban hip hop sound than club sound, but it's not bad. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. Um, And the video?
0: I don't remember that one. I, I watched it after we spoke about it, I think, last season. And um, I went and watched it and enjoyed it. But I definitely never had seen it before. That was, I think, the first time I ever watched it was last year.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah, just it's not on any Michael DVDs or... Yeah, so I just never seen it. Was it big on, like, Rage and stuff in the day? They played it on that or...?
1: Oh, it would have been, I remember recording it on like video hits. I yeah. Maybe on Rage in Australia, but video hits, I definitely think. I think it's very yeah. radio, a far more radio friendly version of yeah. the track history than the album track, which is a masterpiece and very complex and, and amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm not but, a huge fan. I'm, I love the chorus. I, I have a similar problem with it, too. Is it scary? I find the chorus to be jarringly different to the verses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's meant to be like that though. Like that was his creative decision to make it like that. Yeah. Um. But it's cool. The vibe of it, you're so right. Like how it takes you through history. Yeah. I love the ending where it's got all of his studio engineers reading out the dates of important things that happened.
1: Oh my God, Yes incredible so cool
0: like he got his engineers to do that you
1: you would love that as a history teacher (laughs) yeah i did
0: like that i did like that and it's i love how he's in there isn't there like a young michael in there as well saying something about um i don't sing my songs yeah it was from an
1: interview yeah i I, I don't sing it if i don't mean it or something like that yeah Yeah.
0: it's cool one small step for man
1: That's such a, again, such a grand track. I think, you know, this, this song doesn't have much in common. The mix on Blood on the Dancefloor doesn't have a lot in common with the original. It's like a complete mirror flip, different take. It just yeah. bears no resemblance. It's like its own thing. Definitely. What are your top three tracks off the entire album, including the remixes?
0: Okay, number one. Okay, so first of all, all the remixes are out. They're not even in consideration.:
1: No, they you have no. you are picking from all of it. So So
0: yeah, but they're not in my top three though. They're, they wow. would all be from all the remixes, from number six down to 13, all of them would be behind the first five tracks in my order of preference. Yeah, so they're all out, unless you want me to do a second list just of the remixes, but they're all out. Okay, um, now
1: we'll just we'll just do your top
0: three. And Superfly Sisters out. Yeah. Well, it's kind of just above the remixes, but it's not in my top three. So it's so it's gotta come down to being between Blood on the Dance Floor, Morphine, Ghosts, and Is It Scary? They're my top four. In order of top three, number three so would be I think um Morphine number two would be ghosts and number one the title track blood on the dance floor is my favorite song on the album cool i know it's not the deepest song on the album or maybe it's not the best song on the album but it's my favorite to listen to yeah so yeah what are yours what are your top three
1: Why did I do this to myself? Now I have to make a decision of top three (laughs) tracks and I'm terrible at making decisions. Oh, okay. This is really hard. Why did I dig myself this hole? So you said four and then you picked three out of that. I...
0: And they've got to be in order. They can't just be your top three. You've got to go three, two, one. What You know, get me down to number Well, at
1: this stage, I'm just gonna say in order of the album first. Okay. Um, Okay, so I'm gonna go at it as songs that I enjoy the most that I can play in any time. Okay, so that's how I'm gonna go at it. I'm gonna choose Far Out. Actually, I'm going to go from track 13 back. So I'm going to choose history mix. I'm going to choose too bad refugee camp mix. And I'm going to choose... I'm trying to decide between ghosts and is it scary? That's <laughs> the hardest decision. Hey? It's the hardest decision ever. Which baby do you like more? Um... <laughs> Montana or Jasper? This show is now (laughs) going to be four hours because it's going to be taking me 45 minutes to decide. Um, I will choose, is it... Oh, really? Is it it ghosts? Is it ghosts? (laughs) 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 Is it not thriller? Um, I'm going to choose
0: ghosts. Oh, yay. That's mine too. I prefer that one, but... There's probably heaps but of people out there right I now going, I, no, how could you not choose Is It Scary?
1: Because <laughs> I think it's, you've, it, cause it's such a vast grand song. Like you said, you can't play it in a bowling alley.
0: You can't. It's just weird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I prefer Is It Scary as a completed track. I think it's, it's superior to Ghosts in some regards. But if I'm picking that I want to hear right now, I will pick Ghosts. Yeah, I, I get
0: excited about listening to Ghosts. Is it scary as more, okay, I need to sit down with my earphones and really focus on this, whereas Ghosts, you can just put it on and just jam out. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's two?
1: No, I said um, History Mix, Too, oh, too Bad.
0: So and your ghosts. three favourite songs from Blood on the Dance Floor, two of them are remixes.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. But if, I was, if I was picking a four and a five, Morphine and Blood on the Dance Floor would be in there.
0: I would like to hear from our listeners as well. Top three have to, top three. Top three. Hit us up on Twitter at the MJ Cast. Tell us your three favourite songs from Blood on the Dance Floor.
1: Yes. From the entire track list. You can choose from tracks one to thirteen. Andy Healy is Except going to be a gonna- song.
0: If you mention no, well, like, no. Earth Song, you're
1: being muted for two weeks. No, that is not the case <laughs> at all. I think that song, like the Earth Song mix, if that was like an instrumental, it would be an amazing track. Yeah. Amazing. I think just putting his lyrics, I think, you know, his the, the chorus part of him, Ah, uh, that part could stay in it maybe or they could build more of his vocal things into the track, but just the whole lyrics don't fit.
0: Can, can you just do that thing again, the vocal, the chorus? No,
1: vocal? no. Okay. Um, so you will not be muted if Earth Song... Good. That's fine. <laughs> you can have any of these as your favourite three. That's fine. Everyone has different tastes and that's okay. That's why we're all different. Um, Andy Healy won't do this because I still haven't done his top, was it, that he got it, He wanted us to do top 10 MJ tracks or something and I still haven't done it and I feel really bad. <laughs>
0: We'll do it, Andy. Maybe we'll do it when he comes on the show next time. We'll do it live with him.
1: I was going to do it when I was on holiday and then I just never had time to actually sit and listen to Michael music to formulate my top 10. So I'm really sorry, Andy. Please still talk to us. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Okay, have you got a favourite video from the album? Well, there's
0: only one. Oh, no, no, I guess there's history and three and uh, yeah, well, not I hate. I don't really, I don't know. I, I don't hate them all, but like, I don't like them either. I'm not, yeah. I, I guess if I had to choose, I'd say the Blood on the Dance Floor refugee camp version. But again, I've made it clear how I feel about that visual look. So, sorry, what about you? I'm guessing history?
1: No, the Ghosts film.
0: Oh, well, I don't count that as from the album, though. I count that as its own project. Really, yeah. Because it's more than just ghosts. Like, the, if 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 you said to me the ghosts film short, I I would think of the short version because it's connected just to the song ghosts.
1: No, that's banned. That's we can't. <laughs> yeah, but of course, <laughs> you're muted if we for count two weeks, you're muted for two <laughs> weeks if you pick that. <laughs> if
0: we counted the ghosts movie, yes, num- that is for me. Yeah, definitely.
1: One thing I didn't say about the blood on the dance floor video. Why did Michael never do his hair like that again with the braid? I think that was the most awesome hair. Oh
0: my God. I, I was taken aback by that when I was younger because, in my young gender stereotypical ways, when I was a young man, I was just like, guys kind of have braids
1: <laughs> when How I was really work? young. I don't but know. Michael and then had I sort long of... hair. So I how know there gender gender stupid stereotypes of young kids.
0: I don't know, for me it was like braids are a girl thing, Michael, that's too girly. And then I sort of grew up and I was like, oh, it's cool. I like it now. I do like it now, but when I was young it was a bit, oh, that's weird.
1: Oh my god, so. the braids. And I know there's so many people there that love that hair. It's yeah, it's cool. Hair.
0: I like it as well. I do now, for sure.
1: Can't believe I forgot to mention that. Well, there you go. That's our little discussion. Very loose discussion. We didn't get yeah. too deep or anything. Sorry. On uh, blood. Yeah. upon the, we, the we didn't dance go, floor. We didn't go.
0: M M J A S deep or no. <laughs> moonwalk <Tors> deep. But
1: <laughs> Just remember, we're the cafeteria
0: style. of the MJ University, not the that classroom.
1: That is so true. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> we're not the classroom. <laughs> Cool. Um, do you like the, the artwork in the book, like the cover and stuff?
0: Love it. One of my favourite MJ albums. And really? visual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I think it's amazing. I love, I love albums that are art pieces, so Dangerous, Victory, History. I, I, my least favourite Michael covers are the ones where it's photos of him. Wow. What? I like ones where he's collaborated with an artist and put that piece on the cover. And Blood on the Dance Floor is an example of that. Mm. That's in this Mike Smolkin book as well. He talks about Michael collaborating with a particular oil painter or something to create that piece. And Michael was on the phone and saying, I want this, I want this. Then he saw the finished version and was like, one little change we need, I want a black armband. (laughs) So the artist had to go back and redo that bit. Yeah. (laughs) But there's some, um, I can't remember exactly what the deeper meaning is behind that cover, but there is some depth to it. I remember... I think it might have been Samar or someone who was talking about it on Twitter one day. Okay. Yeah.
1: I don't don't love the interior of the book, but I like the cover. It's not my favourite. It's not in my top favourites, but I do like the painting.
0: I don't get the kitchen lino thing. He's dancing on the (laughs) tiles.
1: Well, to me, it was the same, almost the same floor as in the ghost short film. Oh, yeah. You're right. It is. It is. It's like the checkerboard (laughs) sort of tiles, like marble tiles. I never saw it as vinyl.
0: I'm going to look at that very differently from now on. You're so right.
1: But it's sort of see-through, but then it's like transparent because you can almost see through it, can't you? The windows of the buildings underneath it. It's It's like stained glass in a way.
0: Yeah, you're right. No, there's something happening underneath that floor. Yeah, that's cool. Good cover. Um, I love the font. I love the blood on the. Dance I love floor the font. font.
1: Yes, I do think in closing, before we wrap the show, I do think that it would have worked better as a maxi single, as an EP, than with these mixes.
0: And Michael said that in an interview after it came out. The okay. the interviewer criticized it. They said, the fans haven't really responded that well to the remixes. And Michael said, I knew it. I knew <laughs> they wouldn't. Or, like, <laughs> he, it, yeah, it was clearly a thing where he didn't want to do it. And Sony was like, sorry, Michael, you have to.
1: Oh. Well, that's it. Moving on. Shall we wrap up with some finds of the week and then some thank yous?
0: Sure. You go or- first.
1: Well, before we go to Finds of the Week, I'm going to drop in right now the secret f- and final secret phrase for our little competition that we've been running. Is that cool? What
0: do, What do people get if they email us all three secret phrases?
1: They go into the draw to uh, win a little pack of swag that I got at the uh, Brad Sunberg in the studio with MJ event earlier this year. And damn you for asking the specific things because now I have to go to another room and figure out what I remembered (laughs) saying (laughs) many episodes ago. I don't remember. There was a whole, there was a couple of things, uh, a t-shirt. I remember that a postcard set, which is one of them autographed, I think, and a poster, Where is it? Yes, a little postcard set of five of incredible little visual images of MJ Styles from off the wall through to history. And Brad has uh, signed uh, one of those and a T-shirt, which is the same images as the postcard. Uh, It is size large, just so you know. Uh, And there's a poster also of the same images, which I think you used for MJU. So it's a little prize pack of three things there. Awesome. Okay, so now I will pack those back up. Thanks for making me get up. Hopefully the sound hasn't made it sound really bad as I'm walking through the house. uh, So the... You need to collect three secret phrases that have been in episodes, the regular episodes from this season. Uh, So now that you've got the third, you will email them to themjcast at iCloud.com. We're not going to give you the past phrases, but today the final phrase is the fire's deep in his eyes. The fire's deep. Deep in his eyes. So when you email, the subject line of the email must be secret phrases. So I can easily find all of those that have entered and they will then go into the draw, uh, which will be on our, I guess, the next regular episode.
0: Yeah, so I won't be on that one, but you can announce the winner with whoever you're doing that with.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah, so that's the final phrase. So in your email subject line, secret phrases, please. All right, done. That's cool. Good luck, everyone. Good luck. is Rob Hoffman, studio musician and engineer with Michael Jackson, and you're listening to the MJ cast. Finds of the week. You go first.
0: Okay. mind really quick. It is the latest Moonwalk Talks episode. Uh, we love Moonwalk Talks, Jenkins' incredible Michael Jackson podcast. When we got to the podcast space for Michael Jackson, he was the guy that was already there doing it and doing a great job. And uh, his latest episode, I think they're just getting better every, every single time. Like his skills are improving. So, so dramatically. And the production on his latest episode is Head and Shoulders, just incredible above so many other podcasts I listen to. And uh, it's all about the Sony ATV cell. So, what Jenkins does is he picks topics and deep dives into them, usually one per episode, but this one's a little bit different. It's a part one. This is a multi-part he's oh, doing here. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He's going in that level of depth. And it's called... um. The episode is called "The Catalog Is Mine." It's obviously like a little play on words for "The Girl Is Mine" because Paul McCartney is involved in the story, and uh, yeah, he's it's beautiful the way he's recorded it. It's obviously him talking about the catalog sale, but he just the way he delivers that narrative is incredible, and the way he layers his voice over so many different songs and interview snippets, and it is just every single podcast he puts out is just a work of absolute art. Now, this this one goes into the story about the, the history of Sony ATV catalogue, which is the Beatles catalogue that Michael bought, and uh, tells the story uh, from the point of view of Paul McCartney, from the point of view of Michael Jackson, interview audio with both of them, and just tells the story marvelously, and I can't wait for part two. So, well done, Jenkins. That is my Michael Jackson find that I've been enjoying this week. What about you, Q?
1: Uh, if you haven't subscribed to Moonwalk Talks from Jenkins, you are missing out big time. He's a great guy. He's a cool rapper and he's very funny and he does incredible shows for you as a Michael Jackson fan and you should be enjoying them and also rating and reviewing he's on, his show on iTunes or whatever podcast you can rate and review and uh, straight after you review ours, of course. That will be great. If you could do a rating and review of ours, that would help us a lot as well. Um, So, yeah, I haven't heard that yet. It only came out last night, so I will add that to my queue of podcasts to listen as I'm driving to and from work and hopefully hear that soon. My find of the week uh, actually... I had gone through a couple and then I forgot and then I was like, I'm going to pick this and I forgot it. But then a friend of mine, Julie, she was posting this on Facebook and in our WhatsApp chat the other week. And I was like, that's actually really cool. Uh, To Bruno Mars, Michael Jackson clip, he started as a little boy I don't know if it was in Vegas or not, but doing Elvis impersonator in like a sort of family show. His mum was in it. His dad was in it. and I think maybe an uncle as well. Uh, And maybe his brother played drums as well. He played a little mini Elvis. And oh, my God, Bruno Mars is such a cute little kid. And then later in life, Bruno Mars did some Michael Jackson impersonator sort of shows and this is a little video of that. It shows him um, doing sort of J5, Michael, and then Billie Jean. So it's from, I think, 2001. The link to the YouTube video will be in the show notes, but I just thought that was really cool to see, you know, this he's now huge, huge, huge act and I think he's announcing an Australian tour very soon, but I thought that was really cool that, you know, there's this little chapter of his life where he is legit – in costume, doing like the Billie Jean sort of whole act and and other Michael stuff. So I thought that would be a cool little find of the week for those that are fans of Bruno Mars and might not have seen this.
0: Can't wait to watch that. I haven't seen it yet.
1: No, you haven't.
0: There's our finds of the week. Hopefully people enjoyed those and get to know a few little MJ things that they might not have otherwise heard or seen. We have played a few songs on this episode three in total and I can't wait for Q's awesome poll to see which the winning song will be Mm. Uh, and then at the the end of the year as well we'll take all of those winning songs and consider them for a mixtape. So the three songs that we played in this episode were Blood on the Dance Floor, SWG Extended Mix, Stranger in Moscow, T's Light AC Mix and Is It Scary New Remix.
1: Yeah, I don't know where that one's actually come from. So if it has been ripped and taken uh, and you know the original artist that mixed it, let us know. That would be fine.
0: The Blood one was the one, remember earlier in the show, we were talking about those multi-tracks leaking? Um, This is that single white glove guy who is kind of like Nick and takes those multi-tracks and makes awesome versions of things. So good mix, I thought.
1: Cool. Cool. Well, I will list a few thank yous if I can, please, Jamin, and then I will yeah. go into the ma- dig into the mailbag, which was overflowing, <laughs> yeah. and uh, oh my God, <laughs> I've got a lot of catching up to do. So I wanted to say thank yous to Jaron Malone, Adrian Prosen, Austin Ernst, Mike Wilson. Jake Dennis, thank you for subscribing, dude. Uh, Julie Windsor, Monica, Gab, and Jen, uh, Dr. Daddy Raj. Uh, Pablo, who attended the Austin, Texas in the studio with MJ Seminar. Hey man, I know you're listening. Thank you so much. Cody Covington, which I'll oh, let you, huge I'll thank let you, you yeah. yeah, I'll let you do a special shout out to him in a second. Um yeah. <laughs> Uh, Fadley Jackson of at MJ Lovers underscore ID, which is MJlovers Indonesia, big fan club there. Bruce Aguilar and MJ Vibe in Kingvention. Now, you want to say a special thank you to Cody Covington?
0: Yeah, because he did something crazy awesome recently and he's actually gone ahead and off his own bat, sat down for hours upon hours upon hours and transcribed our Michael Prince special. Uh, into a word document, which I have now uploaded to the show notes for the Michael Print special. Now, this is this is huge. Like for a lot of different kinds of people: people who want to write books, academics, people who just want to read parts of the interview instead of listening to it, um, and of course, of course, people that are hearing impaired. Uh, we have received, con- you know, communication over the years from people that are hearing impaired that have said that they want to be able to enjoy our show and can they have show notes and it just the the biggest thing the biggest pain I have around doing this show is that we are missing out on being able to get to hearing impaired people and I wish I had the time to be able to sit down and transcribe these shows as well as create them with Q and I just I just can't find a way to do it so Cody from the bottom of our hearts thank you so much for taking the time to do that for all of Michael's fans and especially those that are that are hearing impaired. That is an incredibly amazing gesture and um, we're grateful.
1: Did you see his email from about two days ago?
0: I saw that he may have done another show.
1: <laughs> yeah, I Which think he's awesome. also done a transcript of the CJ Devilla episode.
0: Maybe, Maybe we need to... Get him to do more if he has time. No, 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 no. <laughs> Cody,
1: Cody, you're our
0: full time transcriber. Let's go.
1: <laughs> no, do not put that pressure on someone I'm because not. that is such a massive job and that he I'm volunteered not. to do that is incredible. <laughs> so, no, there is, Cody, no pressure. Okay. Uh, but that's we'll incredible. Pay you so, <laughs> not get sh- chocolate. How? What? You have no money. I know, I'm joking. We We can't even afford our own dev server. (laughs) No, we cannot. Um, So, Cody, we'll um, have a look at your latest uh, email and attachment and we will attach that to the relevant episode as well. But uh, for those two, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. So, yeah, thank you so much. So, mailbag, I wanted to shout out. There was mail across our email, and I think a few direct messages on Twitter, which I don't always check. So, if if I missed any direct messages, please excuse me. Um, Facebook comments. There's
0: a lot of Facebook comments there too. (laughs) No,
1: Facebook comments I'd read, but messages, direct messages, I don't often read in Facebook and Twitter. So, mailbag. Tom Rauderman and Aaron, big shout out. Thank you so much. I thought those photos of Aaron dancing uh, were really cute. Um, uh, now, I'm going to not pronounce half of these names correctly, so I apologise, but um, Fabian Vondernend, thank you so much. Elise Capron, now this is a Finnish surname. This uh, girl is from, um, I think, Helsinki and Finland, and I apologise, about Mia is it Apukumanaki? I have no idea and I apologize for butchering your surname. But Mia, thank you so much. I wanted to say a special shout out to Tom Zahner or Tom Zahner from the Swiss Michael Jackson community, which is um, www.jackson.ch. They've actually been producing content for 10 years and they have linked, um, I think it was the Michael Prince episode in specific reference they've linked that over there at the the swiss mj community site i wanted to say thank you so much for that
0: they also said that if we're ever traveling to switzerland we get to go and see them and say hi which is pretty cool
1: yes that would be really cool um i've been to bern i think that's in switzerland that was a while ago but that was beautiful but yeah, shout out to Tom and to his team that he works with. I wanted to uh, shout out to Stephen from mjffc.org.uk. And that is the Michael Jackson Fans for Charity website, an incredible uh, charity that they every month contributing members vote on where they would like that month's Charity fundraising to go to, and it's a really awesome charity. So shout out to Stephen. Uh, also, just in final, David Manley and Luca Balesi, who I've actually met. Luca, he's a very cool guy. Um, so yeah, big mailbag, and I will try and start replying to those that I need to soon.
2: Lad on the dance floor. Dance album from Michael Jackson with 8 history songs. Produziert von den besten Remixern der Dancing. Plus five brand neue Songs. Michael Jackson, Blood on the Dance
1: Floor, the new album. This is Mike Smallcom, author of Making Michael, Inside the Career of Michael Jackson, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. Jamin, guess what? What? This week you are doing the social media links.
0: I will. Yes, I'm ready to go. And just before I start those, I also want to give a quick little shout out to Luca as well, because he sent me a really cool human nature cover that he sang on What? um, a few days ago. Yeah, we didn't really talk about it. We've been a bit busy, but um, go to the email inbox, search for an email from Luca. We've been sort of chatting a little bit on, on Facebook Messenger and he sent through, yeah, him singing human nature to like, a demo music and it sounds pretty good I like it
1: oh wow I didn't know that you sang Luca
0: One yeah talent it's, it's very cool anyway alright so where can you find us well we want you to subscribe to the MJcast if you want if you have to you can go to the MJcast.com and you can hit play on our episodes there and it'll stream for you will from it, the internet will it really yeah it streams it streams on the website
1: but nowhere else oh okay well where else was there to stream it
0: like, okay, for example, if you have like an Amazon Echo and you're like, you know, it's in the kitchen and you want it to stream the episode, it won't do that. And oh. any pod, any podcast app that is not iTunes that streams, like Podbean or um, I use Overcast, none of them work. So, yeah. Anyway, back to where you can find us. com. you can play the show on there if you want, but we don't really want you to do that unless you have to. Why don't we want you to do that? Because we're a podcast that you can subscribe to and then our shows get downloaded directly to your device ready for you to listen to whenever you're out and about doing anything. So if you're jogging, if you are cleaning your house, if you're driving to work, any of those times, you can have our shows on demand on your device in a podcast application. You get to access the show notes right there and then while you're listening to the show and it'll open up different links and videos and stuff in the app while you're listening to us by clicking the links, get us on a podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Stitcher Radio, we're on TuneIn, we're on Google Play, we're on Podbean. All you have to do is search The MJ Cast. We're also on YouTube if you want to subscribe over there. The only thing with that is the shows are a little bit shorter because we don't put all the music in there because of copyright. Um, please connect with us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as The MJ Cast. You can also find us on Tumblr at themjcast.tumblr.com. And, of course, we are on email as well. You can email us at, at com, And uh, we would love to talk to you on any of those networks. Please follow us and
1: we'll interact. Nicely done. You should do that more often. Thank you. No worries. Well, you can't because now you're going on a break. Yeah. It's kind of. I'm, I feel
0: really, I honestly feel really sad. I feel sad. Like I'm excited about the baby coming, which is gonna be awesome. And I know I won't have time for this at all. I probably won't even <laughs> I'll be on social media and stuff, but I'll probably be really glad to have the break when it's all happening. But yeah, I'm um I'm kind of But a you bit still get sad. to you
1: still get to edit, which you love doing the editing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do. And I'll get to still call you and chat about MJ stuff. Yes. But, yeah, I'll be back in, in later in the year in August. But And I've got every faith in you and Jason and Charles and Sandra and Ali to be able to put together, you know, great episodes.
1: Yes. Thank you, team, for helping me. And um, big shout-out to Charles who is doing the show notes for the show. And I know that's yes. making your life a million percent easier.
0: Yeah, we haven't really discussed that, have we, on the show. Charles is um one of, one of us properly now, isn't he? He's... One of the six.
1: Yeah. Not like going to be on every show like us, um, no. but huge help for him doing oh, the show notes for you. That,
0: yeah. I mean, if I do every single week, the every two weeks, the MJ cast takes up an entire Saturday. One third of it is recording. One third is editing. One third is doing the show notes. And now Charles has taken away one third of that job, which is yep. awesome. So thank which you, Charles. Is
1: amazing. Um, so, yeah. So... You'll hear Jamin on some pre recorded shows coming up, uh, and then he'll be back in August. So, I will. thank you everyone for listening today <laughs> and catching up on uh, 5,000 hours of news and blood on the dance floor discussion. Uh, good luck to those that will be entering the giveaway for the in the studio swag stuff. Uh, don't forget to email the at with all three. Secret phrases with the subject line of the email, secret phrases. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for me. I might sign off now and let this go into the the interwebs and you'll be working hard on the grid preparing this.
0: Yep, I sure will be. Um, thank you to all of our listeners. We wouldn't, you know, be able to do this show if it wasn't for everybody that downloads it every Every week. So, um, huge thank you for all the support. Every two weeks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, thank you for making what we do possible. And we really deeply appreciate all of the contact and and the emails and the feedback. And we just love being able to bring some entertainment and some news and discussion about Michael Jackson to people. So, thank you. You're all our MJ mates.
1: There is good things about being an MJ fan. Yeah. Hanging out with us and listening yeah. to cool sort of internet radio shows, completely about Jacksons and Michael Jackson. Like there is good stuff nowadays about being an MJ fan. I think so, and also listeners, be patient. You know, if you know um, things aren't as regular or as polished or amazing without Jamin at the helm. You know, just be patient with us and as we go through this door into this new uncharted territory of Jamin becoming a father and how that's going to affect the show going forward, which is going to continue, but we will see how it does affect it in the long run. So just be patient and enjoy.
0: The the game plan, just so no one's freaking out and worrying, there's no there is no plan to wrap anything up. We're gonna keep going as per normal. The release schedule will be the same. And we hope. even one day, one day, if if the worst case scenario I have to not be on the show as often, the show would not finish. We would figure something out so it could keep going just the same.
1: Yeah, we've got to figure out the whole server thing first. Yeah. yeah. We gotta yeah, oh, that's, yeah, to that's that. the biggest thing at the moment.
0: It's huge. We can't we literally can't grow if we don't fix that. We, we'll keep our downloads that are happening right now and maybe get some new subscribers. But the stats show that in the future, people are more likely to just stream than there's no need to download. Internet's so fast now, people will just stream the show and instead of having to download it. So we can't do that unless we fix this. And we yes. will. But we just need time.
1: Yep. And money. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> I'm signing out. I'm going to hop on my light cycle and disappear into the grid. I will see you in a couple of weeks. Michael on.
0: Keep Michaeling.
1: So in my shout-outs, it was uh, Jake Dennis. I, I don't – remember I went to a quiz night recently? Yeah, and yeah, there was i like know a whole bunch of, Yeah, we went to a quiz night yeah. and there was um, a whole bunch of um, – uh, Lena, shout-out to Lena, actually, from Germany. Why wasn't she in my list? I'm not sure. <laughs> but shout-out to Lena and all the, the German friends that she said listen to the show. That's awesome. Hello in Germany. But, yeah, went to the quiz night with some of the Michael friends I have in Perth and we named our team the Moonwalkers and we came <laughs> fourth. I think, yeah, fourth. We came fourth, which is cool. I've never been to a quiz night in my life, and apparently I'm not as silly as I look because I knew some things. But after it, Jake, he's this cool guy in Perth. He, he actually is a jazz singer and sings in, like, jazz clubs and, and, and plays and stuff, and he's really talented. But he's, he had never subscribed to the show he, he was always asking about the show and stuff, and maybe he listened to it on YouTube or something. I'm not sure, but not regularly. So when I helped him cart his like equipment back to his car, and then he drove me back to my car, which was uh, around the, the complete other side of the in another street. He's like, you know, I have this phone, but I only ever use it for phone calls. Like, can you make? the subscribe to the show on my phone and I'm like oh my god what is this it's like a Samsung or something I'm like I don't even (laughs) know what had it exploded or
0: was it still no it
1: was not that model (laughs) I hope but yeah I'm like I'm touching this phone going oh my god this is like so foreign to me but i will try so i actually we went on to his app store and i don't remember what app it was but he got an app for podcasts onto his phone and then i showed him how to search for the mj cast and he found us and then he's like what do i do and then i whatever they call it on this particular app subscribed hit subscribe and then he got – and the first episode he listened to was one that I wasn't even on. And he's like, I went and downloaded <laughs> this one and you're not even on the show. What episode also, was
0: it? Do you remember? Uh,
1: I think it was the Charles episode about World Music Award anniversary.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a which was show,
1: awesome. That. Yeah, it was a good show. So I was like, well, no loss there if I wasn't on that. That was an <laughs> expert show, expert level but then he, before that, he was like, okay, and how do I make the show play in my car? And I'm like, dude, my I'm lucky I know how to use a microwave and a toaster. I'm not good with this sort of tech stuff, but you'll be so proud of me. I actually got him to, like, st- use Bluetooth and connect his device to his car radio. And then he was nice. able to not only do phone calls, which he didn't know you could do, but then you can like listen in his car radio.
0: That is fantastic. Oh, my God. That is so good. Good job.
1: Yeah. It felt really funny, though, that I was this least tech person showing Jake how to do this stuff on this foreign device. I'm like, anyone, I don't know what people would have thought because we were just laughing the whole time. It was the funniest thing. And I was like, what are people thinking? People thinking that I'm like, picking this cute guy up in the car and we're like chatting or on a date or something and we're just like laughing so much in the car yeah so sorry to your girlfriend jake for keeping you for extra time but you wanted me to teach you things in the front seat of your car that sounds so seedy
0: (laughs) it does oh man but i hope the hubs didn't hear
1: that (laughs) he doesn't listen (laughs) but Um, it was such a funny thing so that's why yeah jake shout out and hope you're enjoying the show man
0: and you told me that you also at the same night had a bit of a brush with fame
1: <laughs> well lena said oh my god she didn't realize i was the q of the mj cast She like <laughs> I said, i'm q cuz i never she's over here on like um studying at a university for a couple of months or so uh, and she's oh my friends listen to the mj cast They you know they tell me that, you know i listen too and and they listen over in germany and it just made me feel like wow i'm like David Hasselhoff, I'm popular in Germany. (laughs) Q. The Quaff. The Quaff. That's your that's your new name, buddy, the Quaff. It's really not.
0: (laughs) But yeah, that was
1: that was a funny, funny moment. She's like, You're famous. I'm like, no, I'm really not. I'm just Q. I'm just exactly the same as I'm just Q. I'm just exactly the same as you. So, but yeah.
0: Well, you're not just cute
1: to me. You're awesome. Oh, thanks, brother. Thanks, man. No so, yeah, all the best with everything. And I know that I'll be in contact with you anyway. So...
0: Yeah, yeah. Are you terrified?
1: Really? I would be so terrified.
0: I, I don't want to wipe the butt, you know, the baby's butt. I, I don't know. I'm I'm...
1: You have to. That's your duties.
0: I know, but I'm just, I, I'm not, a, I've got a weak stomach and I don't know how I'm going to go with the smell of all the, the poo and, and that, so that's, that's the it. thing. And, and, and also, um, dropping the baby. I'm scared I'll accidentally drop the baby and then cause some kind of damage. That, that's a worry.
1: Just don't hold it over hotel balconies, I guess.
0: <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I, I think I'm lucky because Mum is coming up for thro- uh, You know, like a couple of weeks after the baby's born to show Lee and I the ropes and, and everything. So, yeah, we've already bought. We've bought so much stuff. Oh my god, the bank account took a serious hit.
1: Have you got everything you needed?
0: Yeah, we've got everything we need. We've got like bassinets and cots and change tables and f- toys and clothes and freaking everything. It's out of control. But yeah, it, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I'm really excited. I know it's going to be the sort of thing where it's going to, this event of the baby coming and, and me holding it and everything is going to just change my world. Everything. Everyone says it. It's going to change everything.
1: It's going to rock your world.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. I can't wait. Keep an eye on social media. There's going to be baby pics and stuff.
1: Cute. <laughs> But yes, you need to change the baby's nappy. Don't think you can get oh, out of it. I'm but going
0: to. I'm going to. Well, I saw a I'm, hilarious I'm
1: just... video of a guy in the same circumstance and he was trying to change the baby's nappy after its first solid food eating. Yeah. And he was gagging and dry dry reaching everywhere. Yeah, and he was like, No, nope, yeah. I can't he was calling his wife. He's like, Nope, I can't do it. I can't do it. He's literally vomiting, and it was hilarious. And I was like, I wonder if that will be Jamin, and apparently it will be, but... It's going to be in three weeks. Yeah, Yeah, and then when your mum goes, you can't call her, and if Lee's busy, then you're just going to have to do it yourself. Suck it up, buddy. Oh,
0: yeah, I'll do it. Okay.
1: (laughs) That'll be hilarious.
0: The MJ Cast.